Enter the imagination of Atari. The imagination that brings you the world's most popular video games, like Jungle Hunt, where you have to swing from vine to vine to save the girl from cannibals. And Dig Dug, where you make your own maze, then have to deal with it. And Pole Position, where Grand Prix Racing comes to dizzying life. Experience the challenges and the thrills that come only from the imagination of Atari. Hello. Welcome back to Welcome. another exciting adventures with Dion and Blake. We are back live, going all night long, partying <laughs> until you can't stop. We are live. Before we get started. Yeah. We're going to stop this thing. <laughs> Hold on. This tracks. Hold on. Stop the music. Stop the music, everybody. I uh, did a recent visit home. Ooh. And I uncovered. Everyone's putting our fingers out. <laughs> And I uncovered some sleepover gold, one of which I posted a couple weeks ago. You did, you on did. The thing with some wrestling videos. Yeah, it was it was it was the best of uh, Piper's uh, pit. <laughs> it was a pipe, best of Piper and a Razor Ramon video. Yeah, two separate so, things, but but uh, so I brought some of it home. Okay, I brought to, you know back to from back your old home. City. You brought it to your where you're living now. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be unveiling some of these things to Dion. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> some will be gifts. Some will just be show and tell. This one is a gift. Okay. We're now, doing it now? Unfortunately, it's a visual thing, but maybe we can post a picture. Okay. Holy crap. <laughs> this is it. That's a gift. That's for you, buddy. This is the thing I described in the Batman. Uh, <laughs> and, and somebody post, Somebody sent us a picture of it. This it's is a, it's like the pamphlet. This is the pamphlet they gave out opening night of the Batman that we talked about. I talked I about know, the Batman It's got cast. all like the shirts and the... One side, it's like all the Batman memorabilia with the Batcave, the toys, and you have Bob Kane wearing like an awesome uh, <laughs> leather jacket. And then on the back, yeah, it's Heather like... Heather Logging Camp and a nice bicycle outfit. Yeah, with, with a Batman, a sweet-ass Batman shirt. Then we have previews for... Uh, Lethal Weapon 2 and Young uh, Young Einstein. I say Young Frankenstein. Wow. Thank you so much. Jeez, I'm just going to be getting like every week. I'm like, wow, I feel uncomfortable. That's great. That's so funny. We Yeah, we talked about this and somebody we, tried to find it. It's no, Somebody like sent us a picture of it, I think, on Facebook. Yeah, they, they knew of it or something. Wow. What, whatever happened to Young Einstein? I never saw that. Did you? Uh, you know what? I don't think. I don't know if I did. Yeah, that kind of came and went. It's like that and Drop Dead Fred, kind of like the same movie in my head. For some I've days. seen Drop Dead Fred. That's a great movie. That's with the TV guy from, um, from Bottom, the TV show, British TV show. But thank you very One much. Night. So that's the first show and tell or <laughs> gift from He's gonna, back from the 80s. I hope you don't start showing me parts of women like, look what I found. <laughs> <laughs> this is our finger. It'll be sleepover, sleepover gold from the 80s and 90s memorabilia. Wow. You just... Should I be worried about you? They always say when you start giving stuff away. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I found th like three of those. How many times did you go see it <laughs> in the theater? At least twice. Yeah, but, I saw it twice. But too. I did see it open. Once in the Lake George area. I saw it up in Lake George. I saw that the second time. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much. So there we go. I'm going to frame that thing. My wife's like, I don't want to put that up. <laughs> Come on, it was a gift. We'll, do, well, a, we'll do a fake Bob Kane autograph on it. <laughs> yeah, no one will know the bit. No, it's horrible. Because all the stuff we have is real. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have fake stuff that makes it stuff. <laughs> 
Um, oh, geez, we're already loopy tonight. Yeah, it's late. Uh, it's a late Saturday well, was a long It was a long movie, too. It was like six hours. And it wasn't the most exciting movie. No, it, but it's, it's, it's got pers- a lot of plot. It's a personal favorite of mine. We're yeah. stepping, you know, it's a little bit outside the sleepover norm, but, uh, you know, it's in commemoration of yet another Tarzan movie coming out. This weekend. We decided yeah. to revisit a classic 1984 uh, adaptation and a personal favorite film of mine. Yeah, and it's also cited as being one of the most somewhat faithful to first extent as opposed to stuff that came out before it um off its source material yeah yeah well you know um, we, can, we can get into that yeah well, we do we're doing a it's a long title yeah. gray stoke the legend of tarzan lord of the apes <sighs> circa 1984. 1984 yeah starring it's... christopher lambert as i like to call him yeah. christopher lambert as everybody else likes to call him <laughs> it's, Dire- just, it's directed just... by hugh hudson yeah who was fresh off a of chariots of fire fame and uh what do you call it? It's his first uh, starring Lamb Bearer. Yeah, also English speaking. Yeah, he as was. Well. Uh, he had been in some. He had smaller parts or supporting parts in some smaller French films, but this is his first like starring role, also in English. Little do we know that we have a aficionado. A, a, a I am. I am Blake. Well, absolutely. Oh, welcome. Did we welcome? <laughs> did we say welcome? Well, time we sleep over. We I did. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I'm Dion. That's Blake. I'm Blake. I am also. One of the world's largest Christopher Lambert fans. Do you have any memorabilia? Per, do you have an autograph? I, I I would think you have up on your wall. I don't have any Lambert memorabilia, but you know what? I almost ended up with. See, I knew there'd be a story <laughs> here. <laughs> you know, we uh, back when we did uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Okay, so we that talked was a lot about Dick Smith. Uh, not Dick about Smith. Yerbo. Yer- Dick Yerbo. Yerbo. Year ago. Rick Baker. Yeah. And uh, we talked a lot about Rick Baker. And <laughs> we did a cast on freaking Gremlins, and then we never even brought up our uh, <laughs> the point we did the cast. Yeah, yeah. Because you bought a bust of the Gremlins. And I bought a, a maquette of, from Gremlins 2, like a, a Gremlin head Yeah, uh, from Rick Baker's workshop for yeah. when they did Gremlins 2. One of the items that I almost, ended, I almost won, and it was one of those things where I'm sure everybody probably... Most people, not to the extent of like money, I almost <laughs> fucking blew on this stuff. But uh, you know, on eBay and stuff, sometimes you bid on something and then you realize that you're gonna win. You're like, oh man, I, oh, I, hope, I, don't, yeah, I hope I don't win. This. You're getting buyer's remorse before you even paid for it. You're like, oh no, this may not be the best idea I ever had. Yeah, I bought <laughs> exactly. So when I bought that uh, gremlin head, the gremlin maquette. Um, which is big. It's a it's a sizable bust. It's yeah, it's, it's like it's a, a full clay size. It's a clay head. original clay rendering yeah. that wasn't had hadn't even been fired. And yeah, in, in, it's a, so in a soft in a kiln. So it's it's you gotta watch out. It could break off. And, and it yeah, was it's yeah. a whole other story. We talked about it in we did a Gremlins cast. Didn't even bring it up. And then the next cast we did, which might have been our Rocky cast, which may have been New Year's. Yeah, or New Year's. Oh, yeah. E- then we we like we had to start the cast out by explaining what we the reason why we. And that was, um, you know, if you want to go re- hear about what happened because it got damaged in shipping and there was this whole big rigmarole and you talk a little about the auction itself, the Rick Baker auction. It had that great Rondo Hatton yeah, bust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there's still stuff uh, over on that, uh, I think it's prop store. They're still, like every week, still auctioning off more Rick Baker stuff. That's a shame. And you said the only reason why he did it was because he was... He was like retiring. He because he, he can't get he can't get uh, work. There's not enough work for what he does yeah. to sustain like a whole business. And this is a good conversation to get into this movie because he Rick Baker ended up doing um, the apes. The a- he did all the apes. But on that's what that's what that's what the story is about. Yeah. So the one thing I almost ended up buying was like a full oh, apes, you told me this. ape suit and 
and mass for like a stunt, like the stunt mass, you yeah. know, not an articulated one. And you didn't really think about the comfortability level having this thing. Yeah, in it was. Your so it would have been having like a stuffed chimpan, like chimpanzee, a very realistic looking. <laughs> like in the corner of my room, it was a full suit, like on a on like a small like mannequin. It was <laughs> like, on a mannequin. It wasn't just a suit. No, it was gonna come on a mannequin. Oh my gosh, that's that's a horror movie right there. And because I'm mean, the reason why I really it starts wanted moving it, on you, and the reason why I really wanted it is because I love this movie. So and much. it was from this movie. Oh, okay. It wasn't yeah, like it was from yeah. It, was from it wasn't Gorillas in the Mist or something. Anything no, else, no, or? it was from Great. I mean, one of the things was you like you know Rick Baker's known for his apes and stuff, so yeah. you wanna. Of course. You would want to get something ape-related, even if it was like the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. It would yeah. still be. I, I love that. I, I thought it's, that was really it's still be kind really of cool. But this was like from Greystoke. Yeah. So it was like I that was, much sweeter. I almost, I almost, got, <laughs> and it was the kind of thing where like I had bid on it because they were expecting it. You know, when you bid on stuff from like an auction auction, they give you like the estimated price yeah, that they think it's going to go yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, the appraisal ta- value, x amount of dollars, tax amount of dollars. And so I put, you know, not even close to what they were expecting. And I and I was like, I came down to almost winning it like split second right before they brought down the gavel on my bid. <laughs> somebody, somebody else put in a higher bid. But I almost ended up with this human, like this life-size monkey costume. How crazy would that be? I mean, even the thing you have now, the bust is, gosh, it's huge. I know. It takes up a corner of your living room. At the end of the day, I probably would have been like, oh, I can't believe I bought that. What the hell am I going to do with it? But then once it came, I would have been like, this is awesome. Yeah, Dion, we'll go, coming over. We'll put on the suit. <laughs> we had a joke. That reminds me of the joke we had where we watched some magic. Sh- Remember we watched some magic um, in college? We watched some magic show, and there was some, like the debunking show. And oh, they, yeah, They showed yeah. you how. It was the guy, like, he puts the. Um, the magic's greatest secret. Yeah, he puts show. the mask on, and then, like, it's like this shows a-hole shows you how to do everything. You know? <laughs> and all the, you know, the magicians really hate him and all this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know, Penn and Teller hate him. Of them, but they show you how to get out of. Remember, old-fashioned straitjacket. So what you and I were looking to do was we were gonna we were gonna uh, buy an old-fashioned straitjacket, get me to figure out how to do the trick, and then we go over to like uh, keg parties. <laughs> Remember that we were gonna yeah. hustle. We were gonna get everybody drunk with them, and then we were gonna, we were gonna as like it was an act. We were gonna hustle them and say like, "Do you think Dion can get out of this?" You know, and then I would actually get out. Remember of it. when we almost bought? They became pretty damn close to buying that like. Alien, that alien, that life-size alien. <laughs> that was our freshman, <laughs> our freshman year living together in in, in in the dorms. We met each other the first day in orientation. Uh, was that in a catalog? Where no, that was. That? I think it was. It was right around the time that they had released that Jonathan Franks. Oh, the Franks, um, yeah. The, the the which was absurd even at the time when we when we saw it. It yeah. was the fake autopsy of like one of the um, Rock yeah. Roswell, like Stan Winston looking at the tape. Yeah, and and he's like, saying, look how they pulled the skin back. He's saying like how realistic it is, and clearly it's just like a sepia tone filter they put on it. It's like this isn't real, and it was debunked, yeah. and which uh, is hilarious. But they, I think it was around that time, and they're like, and you too can own a piece of history. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Robert Stack came out. If you want to order your own thing, so it was just so we lived in a, in a room. I don't know how big that room was. It was like say like I don't know fourteen feet by like maybe eight feet maybe even width so yeah, we could fit yeah. two beds in or maybe ten feet ten yeah maybe ten and well, my bed was on one side Blake was on the other and then we had like near the window we had like an uh, you know like one of the cabinets where you put your clothes and we had the TV a little two TV up there we're watching this thing so we're thinking like oh between us we can buy this coffee table we, we were going to buy this thing and use it as a coffee table and basically, basically what it was it was an alien body life size so it was like four feet long the body <laughs> enclosed yeah, yeah. in a glass 
like sarcophagus. Was it glass or was it I one of those? It was probably like plexiglass. Yeah, you could see the whole thing, but it looked like, like a sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. It and was we, like you could buy it without. My my recollection is you could buy two it. options. You could buy it like without the like the glass case. I don't know why you do or that. with the glass case. Yeah. And we were going to buy it and put it between the beds. <laughs> <laughs> great, great conversation starter when we brought <laughs> like, the ladies put, over. Put our beers yeah. on top of it while we watched TV. <laughs> <laughs> Have no room for legs or get to get up and stuff because um, it'd be like putting a third bed in the room, you know. It's like, hey, ladies, look at this thing. <laughs> you guys like aliens? Well, you want to see something really scary? We came close on that one. We, we came close to a lot of them. Remember we the time dodged we... a bullet? <laughs> <laughs> School oh, year. We're gonna buy Which those... one of us is taking the alien? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, we want to. You want to just keep it a summer and then I'll keep it a summer. Um, and we've almost bought knife sets together. You know, like three in the morning oh, when yeah. you're watching That's those. Back when you they used to have those knife channel. Yeah, for hundred for three hundred. <laughs> yeah, you buy like you, you get ten thousand knives. One thousand knives. And then we we're gonna turn around and like go to like uh, tag sales and try to sell knives <laughs> at the flea market. Become the <laughs> underground knife salesman yeah. on campus. It's, it's, and we can serve as the Foot Clan. <laughs> no. well, yeah, definitely. They must have bought a whole bunch of. Um, well, anyway, so yeah, knives. I almost owned a little piece of gray stoke. Yeah, that would have been great. That would. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of regret but that. It, I but they have a, you know, I guess you got to. Then also, which just goes back to everyone would have to go listen to the Rocky Cast is that. They don't uh, talk to you about shipping oh, the yeah. thing. That was the whole the big gremlin contention. Cost like five hundred dollars to ship, and that's the story where it's like they don't tell you. So once and it's so there's like what a, like a little asterisk that just says shipping will be determined later on. And yeah, it's like, basically. And so can you imagine plus how much like, like a life size? Plus there's like twenty five percent fees on top of it. So say I bu- say that I bought, bought the thing, just throwing out a number. Say I bought it for a thousand dollars. The monkey suit. The monkey suit. Say yeah. the uh, the winning bid was a thousand dollars. Then uh, I'd have to pay another two fifty, right? Two fifty on top of that in fees. That's a so that's twelve. So they're getting their cut. The, the, the auction house. Yeah, yeah. And then whatever, five hundred dollars to ship it. So I mean, and I think it would have been more because of the. It's, it's life size. I mean, like carrying like a life. Wouldn't have been as pra- as fragile as the Gremlin oh, head. So yeah. it probably would have taken less packing. Anyway, and I wonder what condition it would have been in too. Did you see close ups? Like, was, was it all you know? Since it's almost thirty years ago. Probably is thirty years ago when it happened. So is it all like cracked and you know? What well, I mean? the stunt stuff, uh, the stunt, uh, the stunt masks have lasted longer because they're not as oh, I don't think detailed. they're as you know. So I don't think they're like the foam latex. Yeah. You know the stuff like the the articulated faces they don't last yeah. as long because the foam latex deteriorates and stuff. That's what happens with Sesame Street. They have to go through puppets very quickly because you get cracks. Yeah. And weathering. So yeah, I mean it's all fragile. I mean the thing is. But you can More wear it, so third. it's just, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could have worn it. <laughs> I wouldn't have fit into it. How hilarious would that have been? Mike probably would have fit into it. Oh, our friend Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been hilarious, having him do, do like a costume. <laughs> like, dude, just get, it's, it's like the side, that's what you see like on, uh, you know, on those shows. You can have like, you know, bloopers with people like, you know, like on the sidewalks and all that. Um, Jeez. Well, anyway, so I almost spent a lot of money, almost owned us thing, because this movie... Because uh, Greystoke has a special place in my heart. Yeah. I remember my dad taking us to see it. Wow. Like, circa 1984. So I was six. You were 34. <laughs> you know, so it was like, I remember him seeing it, and then I was like way into Tarzan yeah. for a while. And I'll run around the house. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Annoying the shit out of your face. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was Tarzan for the next week. Yeah. Running, jumping off a of thing. Your um, mother must have loved that. So I mean that's that this movie and then I remember that we rented Highlander in the eighties. Like I remember renting that. So the, those two movies, those childhood memories, solidified you, or what made me a Lambert 
yeah. lover. And he, what is he, French or is he? Is well, he... he grew up, I, I think, entirely in France, but he's really like Swiss or something. Ah. His dad was like a diplomat for the United Nations or something. But he grew up in, I think he grew up in France. And then when he was a teenager, he moved to Paris and uh, I think did some modeling and then pursued some acting. And he was actually found for this film, for Greystoke. They looked, you know, around the world to try to find the right person for it. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up, they really wanted to get away from, like, the muscle man. Like a Schwarzenegger. You know, that, that, like, the the earlier uh, Tarzan films had, had, like, a big bulky guy, which makes sense. I yeah. mean, if you're, you know, you're supporting your own weight, like on trees and stuff, you probably put put on some good muscle mass. But they wanted like a swimmer's physique yeah, for yeah, it, yeah. so they were looking, and uh, they think they found him in like a in a French dance studio. Mm. They found him and uh, and they cast him. Mm. And uh, to be honest, I think it's uh, you know this is maybe getting ahead of ourselves, but I think it's his, it's by far his best performance in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's genuinely really great in this movie. Yeah, and I don't know if you can say that about a lot of Christopher Lambert. I don't know. I, I, I don't think he has a lot to do in a lot of movies. Whereas this, for for like a first, yeah, starring for role, to, there's a lot to do. Yeah, there's a lot of especially like internal stuff. For a him, lot of like internal eyes and all that. Um, I don't. I was trying to figure out how many movies of his I've seen. Like I've seen that Alcatraz, two thousand, or one, what's the one? Mean Guns. Is he in Mean Guns? <laughs> yeah, it actually was just on earlier today. <laughs> I haven't seen Mean Guns since we watched it together. That's another story we had. We watched watching Mean Guns. He's in that, and then he's in what's that crazy? It's like a seven-ish kind of movie. He's in that. Oh one. yeah, that's, that's, that's a good not, one. Yeah, I was gonna say it's actually not bad. It, it's like of it's the best of like the seven ripoffs. Um, what is that movie called? Because Cronenberg's in it. He yeah, plays there's, a whole, a there's, a, there's a bunch of people in that movie. I believe it's. I believe Lambert actually wrote that movie, and. Uh, Cronenberg's in it, and I think Russell Mulcahy might have directed it, who also directed uh, Highlander. Oh, okay. So there's, like there's the, the connection. That, that connection. But I think he actually wrote that one. That's a good movie. And yeah, we should look that up because we're... We'll get somebody on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I know that, everything about it except and, and, for the <laughs> And oddly enough, I don't think I've seen the the first Highlander in years. And then I saw... I don't know how many of those. They're all like, they all turn into one movie for me. I saw the one with Mario Van Peebles. Isn't he in one of them? He's in the third one. Yeah. And then did they make one after that? Uh, yeah. Endgame came after that, which was like a crossover between the movie and the TV show. Oh, so you had the guy in it. Which is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him as an actor, that guy. Yeah. Um, what's his name? The Clan McLeod, is it? The Well, they're both McLeods, but they're from their different uh, years, I think. Yeah. That's something to do on this. That'd be fun. Well, I would love to do Highlander or any of them. Really, yeah. any of the f- second one, the quickening is kind of crazy. I would do that. One. Is is, <laughs> is uh, Connery in? He's in the second one. Resurrection is the name of that seven ripoff. Okay, okay, and it's actually quite good, but it has that whole look at the time, like the sevenish kind of a thing going on. Yeah, I mean, it's totally. Uh, oh, let's say an homage, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. really was kind of like you know when seven came, like you know, like well, when, a lot Pulp, of when Pulp that, Fiction you know? came out. Yeah, everybody there was a started bunch doing of those kind of like comedy OS yeah. things, and when seven came out, there was came. A bunch of kind of seventy ripoffs. In my opinion, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. So uh, Lamberry, he does a f- fine job in here. But but so Tarzan, nineteen eighty four, um, directed by uh, what's his name here, Hugh Hudson. Yeah, Hugh Hudson comes off. He's coming off of uh, Chariots of Fire, which was not a huge su- uh, financial success, but it won four Academy Awards. It won best costumes, best script, 
Best Music by Vangelis because it is kind of like an iconic score. And I think it won Best Film also. Yeah. So what is that? Eighty three, eighty two. That must have been. That was eighty one. Okay. Um, but it's the real story goes back to uh, Robert Town, who wrote the original screenplay. Yeah. Uh, it, this one's kind of hard to figure out, like how we want to, you know, like how we want to jump into this. But I guess if we're going with the background of the movie first, Robert Town, uh, he wrote the screenplay. He's he has uncredited. Writing, you know, he he's uncredited on like a million like iconic movies, everything from like Godfather to like Marathon. Man. Oh, he'd come in and just do like a little touch up or something. Or, but his yeah. big, the big movie that he wrote was Chinatown. Yeah, I mean, he wrote other movies, but Chinatown is like you know, you know, like we studied Chinatown. Yeah, of course, that's in like screenwriting a, you know, yeah, for Roman like the brilliance of the script. Yeah, and uh, Town originally wrote the script and was gone and really wanted to direct it. Yeah, and he was locked in to direct. And he was all ready to direct. Now there's conflicting stories. Some say that his directorial debut uh personal best. Personal best didn't do well and that's why they took him off. The And that's a bitter uh, pill to swallow if that's in fact true. But here's kind of like And he had a, I think a longer script he wanted to direct as well. Well, apparently the script was like really really different. Yeah. Um because Ultimately, Gray Stoke uh, came out and had like mixed to positive reviews. Yeah. Now the reviews were, for the most part, pretty positive, and it even had some Academy Award nominations. But the one review that really fucking nails it, the fucking balls to the wall, yeah. is Harlan Ellison's review. Yes. Which can be found in Harless, Har- Harlan Ellison's Watching, which is the name of a book, which is they've. C- collected all his reviews and stuff from other magazines uh, into one volume. But it originally was found in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in the August 84 issue. Just to give you an idea of what he felt about this movie, the first line of his reviews, Greystoke, the legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, is conceptually not only a disaster, but a shameful example of directorial autorism. Now, he, the autorism line comes from the fact that he feels that Hudson completely butchered uh, uh, town, town, town script. script. Yeah. Now, according to... Now, one El- of their friends as well. I'm sure. And yeah. plus, you know, Ellison is... Yeah, he's Ellison a writer. Had, you and know? he's also so, a nut, too, in a sense, where as, as he's brought so much litigation, he's always saying people are stealing stuff, sometimes unfounded, sometimes founded, where people will say about Terminator. Yeah, and that's yeah. why Cameron had to put on, like, thank, a special thanks to... To, to Ellison on it because he wrote a short story that's very close to it in like the late 60s. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he's always very like pointing fingers at people and sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know. And he's a, he's a kooky guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a sci-fi you see, writer. If you, you know, see so, him interviewed, he's very eccentric. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's maybe where he gets his ideas. Of course. I mean, he wrote, uh, didn't he write like Edgy City of the Edge of Forever? The yeah, Star yeah. He wrote, he wrote a couple. He wrote, a, he wrote an unpublished. He might have actually wrote, written, wrote, written the, for the, uh, fourth season, or th- what is it? I think it's the fourth season of Batman 66. Oh, the Two Face episode? The Two Face episode, which I think they wanted Clint Eastwood to be Two Face. But I think they wrote it and then it never got filmed because the series got canceled and they ended up using it and making it in comic book form, illustrated it for that awesome run of Batman 66 yeah, yeah. from like a couple of years ago, which is really, really cool. So. Yeah, he was. A, he did a lot of TV stuff, like much like we talk about Richard Matheson, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But he was more sci-fi, and he wrote a lot of groundbreaking sci-fi stuff too. What did he write? Um, 
if you don't know the answer to this, this is a pointless question. But do you know if he wrote, uh, was it A Boy and His Dog? Oh, he might have the one with um, Kevin Costner. That was then adapted into a movie with Don Johnson. Oh, am I thinking of that? What's the one with Kevin Costner's in the post-apocalyptic movie? Not Waterworld, but something earlier. Maybe I'm thinking Postman? No, never mind. But yeah, yeah. so he might have... I think he might have wrote that, which then was adapted into a really kooky movie. (laughs) Don Johnson. (laughs) With the young Don Johnson. Yeah. So anyway, so he writes this review. So he writes this review, and what he's going off of is one... You know, his protect his standing up for the writer Two, when this movie came out, as you kind of stated, it's kind of this uh, Greystoke is kind of heralded as being the first Tarzan movie to really stay kind of faithful yeah. to, to the to source material to Edver, Edward Rice, Bur- Edgar Rice Burroughs source material. So he's kind of coming at it like, you know, he's picking it apart a little bit, yeah. but he comes to the defense of town. Who is, he very well could have known him because if you if you were to read his review about it, it's like it's definitely a writer sticking up for another writer because it's I don't think there's any secrets. Writers in TV writers are like the boss. Yeah, yeah. But in film, writers get shit on all the time. So here's what Ellison uh, claims about. So this is what he claims. So, uh, you know, it's Going out here, hearsay. Yeah, yeah. Can't be admitted in court. Ellison <laughs> uh, claims that the film, uh, basically the town had the script and he was shopping it around Hollywood for like 12 years before they made it. And because it was being shopped around so much, it was readily available for people in the Hollywood scene to get a copy of it and read it. So he read it. Apparently he read the original script. Harlan did. Yeah. And he said everybody that read, that read it kind of marveled at it, like how amazing it was. Now the problem was that uh, Town really wanted to direct it. He he was kind of shopping around himself, and the reason why this it it was taking so long to get made was because the studios were really hesitant to okay it to you know greenlight a project not knowing if the ape costumes were going to work. Yeah, they were basically like we can't do a whole movie where we have like ape costumes that look like the 2001 apes. We need it to be like, they have to be like believable characters that in the script are like actual characters. They have to, you have to believe that they're like alive and like, you know, they need to be expressive. And that's a tall order in the early 80s and like they 70s. Ha- yeah, and they have to age with Tarzan Yeah, as he ages. So, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. Pre-CGI, hopefully everybody knows that, you know. So that's, so that's one of the reasons why it was taking so long. The technology kind of just wasn't there yet in the 70s to yeah. do it. So they or say, you're getting people, like you're saying, you're either getting like the Planet of the Apes kind of a guy, yeah, you yeah. know, or you're getting the, um, you know, the apes from uh, t- uh, 2001. So Warner Brothers says, we'll give you $500. Go, if you can find a special effects guy that can, says he can do it and, is be- and be- we believe he can do it, We'll okay. We'll agree light this project. So he goes around. He starts asking every makeup guy he can find. Town, town does. Yeah. Every single makeup guy he talks to says, "Oh, Rick Baker's the guy you need to talk to." Yeah. <laughs> You're like, "Why are you coming to us? Rick Baker's your guy." So he finally goes to he goes to Baker, and Baker reads the script. And Baker says, "I can do it, but it's going to take me two years to build the suits. Yeah. To get it to get everything right." Town is like, well, what if you had like unlimited resources? I like he's like a, you know, he's like making suits. I mean, like tailoring. Like it's gonna take me two years in the back room. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> right. like one they have to. He's like a shoemaker. They have to sculpt the maquettes. I mean, it's like, yeah. and it's and there's back a then lot, too. There's you know, a lot of them. Too. Yeah, yeah. 
And you know you got to do all that hair. Probably one fucking yeah, hair, hair at a time. time. They do, like they do, yeah, they do Punch wigs that and stuff. Shit in. He's like, I can do it, but it's going to take me two years. Town says, what if you had unlimited resources, like in terms of money? Yeah, like it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, and he says, well, in that case, it's going to take me two years to do it. <laughs> you know, Rick Baker's like, I don't care how much money you got. This is how long it's going to take. So apparently, Warner Brothers hears this and doesn't like that answer. Yeah, they don't want to start investing in a project that's going to take. Two years before it's even ready to start yeah. suit. And, and around this time, we had a movie, a Tarzan movie came out in 81 under um, a different title as well. So that was... Oh, yeah, the, with Bo Derek. Yeah, the Bo Derek movie, which... Uh, so, you know, they were kind of worried, you know... Um, let's see, that was called Tarzan the Ape Man from 1981 with Miles O'Keefe and, as Tarzan and Bo Derek as Jane. So, you know, that's still relatively in the, the, the mind's eye, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then for another studio to do it, which, which is completely unrelated... That's also a possible gamble. And so the studio doesn't like that it's going to take two years. So they decide that they're going to go to Carlo uh, Ribaldi, who did E.T., Yep. who built the alien for E.T. And Ribaldi tells them, I can do it in eight months for $400,000. And Town's like, I don't know. I think Baker's our guy. Like, if we want it done right, it's going to take longer, but Baker's really the guy to do this. So Warner Brothers goes kind of over Town's head, and they hire... Carlo Ribaldi to do it. Meanwhile, a year over a year and a half later, and six hundred thousand dollars in the hole, they still don't have a suit Jeez. made. They still don't have a single suit made. Yeah. So, what, what, which, yeah, I wonder what the to get into that. I wonder what that was. You know, they don't even have prototypes or a year. And I half. don't know. I don't know. The hell, details. what's he doing with everything? Is he still got the curtain? He's like, yeah, you can't look behind it yet. <laughs> I'm not done. So Warner Brothers fires uh, Ribaldi and uh, or Rambaldi and. Instead of fessing up, this is according to Ellison, Harlan Ellison. Instead of taking, uh, you know, taking the get, you know, be, you know, taking the the hit, yeah, and admitting and pride, yeah, and yeah, admitting that they did it. The Warner Brothers exec that made this decision instead blamed it on Town, and fired him from their director's position. Wow! But they're citing it was because of the, his directorial debut. So that's why Town. He's so pissed off. He by gets it. sacked, and then he's still on as a writer. Now. And he, that's why he uses the alias. Yeah, he, so he then he then he gets so mad that he doesn't want his name on it. He changes, <laughs> he changes his name on it to an alias, which yeah. is actually his sheepdog. <laughs> um, and he so then eventually this does get nominated for a best um, for an Academy Award for like best, best script. Yeah, from like adapted. Yeah, it's. Yeah, writing screenplay based on material from another medium, and uh, his sheepdog's name gets nominated. So, and then it actually wins, doesn't it? Too or no? No, it doesn't. It doesn't win. It doesn't win. It loses to Amadeus. Yeah, it was the first um, uh, Tarzan. Tar- this Tarzan was the first nom- movie to get nominated uh, of Tarzan movie. Yeah. And then the Disney's two- Tarzan from two thousand uh, from nineteen ninety nine is the first movie that gets nominated and wins a Tarzan yeah, movie. It yeah. wins for the song. So uh, that's so- Ellison's. Yeah, uh, so that's what El- that's Ellison's recount of the story. Now, he claims that then they give it to Hudson because Hudson is hot off of Chariots of Fire. Hudson reads the script. He doesn't love the script, even though everybody else seems to think it's Hugh awesome. Hugh Hudson. And he brings in his friend, uh, Michael Austin, who has a few writing credits, but nothing of like particular like uh, popularity, like titles to mention that. And you'd be like, oh, he, d- he wrote that. And they rework the script, and they uh, 
they really because uh you know Hudson's a British director they start to really build up that like Edwardian the great the Greystoke section of yeah. the movie when he comes back to Greystoke to which this now their, jumps off book yeah, yeah yeah and so um they really start to up that stuff and so Ellison's real quite real problem with the script in his opinion is that he thinks of uh Tarzan as kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing, especially in this Greystoke script, you know, there's it's like two parts of the personality. We got the savage, yeah, Tarzan, and then we have like the Earl of Greystoke, yeah, Tar- which is which know. is interesting because that kind of deviates as well from the source, the Edgar Rice Burroughs, yeah, you know, which we can talk about, but and uh, so he he his problem is like in in Ellison's opinion, you know. The thing that makes Jekyll and Hyde interesting is when Jekyll shows up. You know, yeah. without Jekyll, you know, without the beast, you know, who cares? And so his problem is apparently uh, Town's original script was very much this, even more so, a struggle between like the savage and then and, becoming and, edu- or becoming a, into yeah, our society, our yeah, form, like a more conforming, of a quote unquote, civilized yeah. uh, human and he kind of strips all of the savagery out of Tarzan, out of the character of Tarzan. And Tarzan goes from being, in his opinion, uh, instead of being an, a, an active character that's making things happen, Christopher Lambert's Tarzan is reactive, which is true. Yeah, he, yeah. he is just kind of like, all, everything's the... just happening to him and he's forced to react to everything. Yeah. Um, which I might not necessarily be a bad thing, but here... Uh, Ellison is citing that as the issue in this script. Yeah. I mean, I personally love, I really like this movie. I mean, there are problems, there's problems with it, which we'll get into. Um, Other things, you know, he's really down on Hudson. He says that the, the still Ellison now going. Yeah. Yeah. Ellison, he reports that like, you know, he's like, Oh, how Hudson ruined Rick Baker's costume for uh, Kayla, the, like the mother ape to Tarzan is like legendary in that he, Decided that the first scene that they're going to shoot with that was was uh, spoiler alert was her death scene. Yeah. So then for the rest of the entire movie, Rick Baker for every scene had to like patch up all the holes for the rest of the movie because he decided to shoot that scene first. So it had like all these like arrow holes and stuff in it. And uh, and Allison also then comes has a big tirade about how Chinatown how about how town script for Chinatown was ruined as well. Yeah. How they, they took that out of his hand. He, he, he does, however, really praise Lambert and uh, Ralph Richardson's performances, saying that basically, like, really nobody could have done those two characters better, the Earl of Greystoke and, and Tarzan, than those two actors. So he does, he praises those performances, but he does, in his, like, slamming of the movie in this review, he does, like, recite all this, like, behind-the-scenes stuff according to him. Yeah, and I, what I thought was interesting and maybe worth going into before we. Well, <laughs> since he it's also all preparation into the movie. He also cites the. Um, he has a, a contention too, as well as that the fo- the film was being promoted as the definitive version. Yeah, yeah. When it was that, it's misleading because part of the the, the source material that they used to, to aside from uh, Edgar Rice's Burroughs, so the source material they use something that was done by a author named uh, Philip Jose Farmer, who was a sci-fi writer. He did a mock biography called Tarzan Alive in the late 60s, I think it was. He did two mock biographies, and uh, he had to justify the the biography. He basically wrote a biography 
from the standpoint as if Tarzan was a real person. Yeah, and he had to, he had to you know, patch up a lot of holes and stuff, and that was the reason the biggest thing is how could a yeah. uh, a, a man who, you know... An, un, is, an uneducated... Man be able to then learn so quickly once he, you know, he's, he's faced with this kind of uh, dilemma, and scientists yeah. have said that, like, you know, this wouldn't happen because a man, you know after six or seven or there's a certain age that cuts off and he wouldn't have been able to learn anything. So he he says that he's a mimic. He's a perfect mimic. So they take this and they add that into the movie. And that's one of the things that um, Harlan Ellison gets really pissed at. Now, this guy, Philip Jose Farmer, is interesting because he, in that Tarzan Alive book, he sets up this thing called the, um, have you heard of this, the Walt Newton family? I don't think so. The Walt Newton family, and it's a universe, it's, it's interchangeable, the Walt... Uh, Newton family or universe was this thing that in like 1795 uh, in Yorkshire, England, uh, in real life, a meteor uh, crashed. So he put forth this argument that that there was a carriage going by and all these people in it were exposed to, say, gamma rays. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so that in the 100 years, that gives us Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty, The Shadow, Sam Spade. I mean, it, it gets endless, this whole universe, and he has this whole thing, you know. And so He's saying in a, fi- he, in a fictional world? Yeah, see, this is, see, he's using a real-life event, yeah. this, this meteor crashing, right? Yeah. And then he says that passing this real event was a fictional uh, carriage, and in this coach... You had the descendants of uh, Solomon Kane, who's also Edgar Rice Burroughs, I think. Um, Captain Blood, Scarlet Pimper, Pippernickel, Sherlock Holmes, uh, his nemesis Moriarty, all these people, the time traveler the hell from... Of a big coach. I know. And the, <laughs> and the, and the, 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 the characters change. Yeah. So that then it gets bigger. You can say, uh, they say The Shadow, Sam Spade, Doc Savage, uh, Philip Marlowe, James Bond, Lou Arch. So all they got these powers either to be good or to um, high intelligence and strength. It was all because of this thing. And that's where he also says that now this Tarzan's family was in there too. You know, the Greystoke. So it's, it's really weird, but it's been accepted. And it's like people like, oh, you know, it kind of like how the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen ties the yeah, yeah. all these, um, you know, different... Uh, fake arch you know yeah. archetype heroes for us sure it's it's so that so it's termed as this thing and it, like then there's f- like philosophical papers about it <laughs> like where people like it's you know it's, uh there was a, p- a paper written about it by like uh some academics saying like uh, academics saying that like you know you, the, the, this is impossible because this that and the other thing and, it, and it's it's it just leads to these whole weird conversations walt newton family Here's another one to get into the Tommy Westfall universe, but I think that'll just derail the podcast yeah, at this yeah. point too close. But it, it's it's all these weird theories that people have, and I thought it was hilarious because when we saw that name and, and the, that they're citing now the source material, his mock, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the uh, bio on on uh, Tarzan. It's like you know they didn't even. So that's another contention that they say like it's you know that it's not as, as the first half of the film as written is is very very close to Edgar Rice Burroughs's yeah and Ellison even he makes a point to say like and like the, the only things that are really great about this movie are the things that are shot for shot preserved, yeah kept. preserved from the town script yeah which is basically you know for the most part up until they get to Greystoke right I mean it's even I believe in the uh, full disclosure: I never read the book. No, Tarzan, uh, Tarzan of the book. Apes, yeah, from 1912, I think it was really. Yeah, it was first. Which came then out became all a Star series. Magazine. You yeah. know, he wrote. Uh, 
Edgar Rice Burroughs here. He wrote like something like 22. Yeah, he wrote a whole crap. But a lot of them were compiled of short stories because he wrote them for magazines. Yeah, he wrote them for magazines at the time for pulps. I mean, he's one of the the, the king pulp writers here. He he was a, um, like the people talk about the three pillars in the pulp, uh, bringing that out. Pillars of pulp? Pillars of pulp. The pulp pillars for the great pulp tradition is um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. He also did Carter and Mars. Yeah. He did Tarzan, he did uh, Pulizar, which is like a weird thing about a land, like a land of the lost, mm-hmm. where someone, you know, makes this big, like, uh, machine, they tunnel down into the thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, there's dinosaurs down there, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. like, you know, alternate universe. Um, he also did um, another thing called uh, Barzoom, but anyway, and then the next well, I guy- I think the Barzoom thing is part of that Carter- well, it's also universe. Tarzan. Like Tarzan goes down there and lands. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just oh no, maybe that's the, that's the uh, the pulsar. The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all you know. And then the second uh, pillar of, of um, pulps is Robert E. Howard, who gave us Conan the Barbarian. He's the one who did Solomon Kane. He was the, the Puritan wandering warrior, uh, Cole the Conqueror, and he's really the father of like the sword and saucer, uh, sorcery subgenre that mm-hmm. people really regard. Regard. And then the third person is the the, the many writers who wrote Doc Savage. And they're, they're, the magazine, the house magazine that, uh, that put Doc Savage out used to uh, cite the author being as Kenneth uh, Robeson, which is just an amalgam of all these different writers who were contributing. And Doc Savage is the person who's like really the first person we see like, like the young, like almost Indiana Jones. He's in the white shirt going into like, you know, um, yeah. Africa and all these places. I believe that they just cast The Rock for a Doc Did, Savage. Are they doing movie? a Doc Savage? I don't think they've ever... Done. I don't know if they've done a Doc Savage movie. Yeah, or, I don't think about it. You know, if they've ever done a thing. But I think, yeah, I think that was like news recently. That I think The Rock might be playing Savage. Yeah. Uh, so all these people, it's, they invented this great industry. Like this, the, you know, the Pulps back then were like adventure magazines that people had. Like you know, and they call them Pulps because they were really made on shitty paper. That you know, that were really it was disposable entertainment for the early 20th century. And uh, you know, uh, also the last person they kind of say is. Um, H.P. Lovecraft, they say, is yeah. a big, although because he didn't contribute that much to at all, really, to adventure magazines or stuff like that. But the people who came out afterward, who were being influenced by, um, by you know, like Doc Savage and all that, and then uh, Robert E. Howard's work, they certainly cite um, Lovecraft because Lovecraft was sort of doing new things in the horror industry, which we hadn't yeah. seen before. That Edgar Allan Poe and, and the other it people. It was had kind of amazing to think. I mean, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, what's the equivalent today? I mean, of when, the Pulps? Yeah, like, when did they start? I mean, even up until, like, uh, the 60s and 70s. I mean, they were doing short stories, like, in, like, Playboy. You know oh, yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, yeah. there were writers putting short stories in mags, maybe not specifically pulp magazines, but the idea of, like, the short story being a staple of magazines that so many great stories and films came from adaptations of stories that like who goes there became the you know the thing from another world yeah, yeah. and then and then John Carpenter's the thing that was originally yeah, published it's crazy in to think that all the yeah these magazine the, the installments all like you know you get like five or six stories and that'd be like your movie or your story and then you know they could be then later taken out and put in but this is how people got work especially back in the old days there were so many magazines like for the for the pulp mags uh that was your way to break into the to 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 to, to writing would be to just get a, a magazine story submitted like a short story usually and it yeah. was it's just an, it's because back then that was how you'd you know you your entertainment was reading you know it was prior to like almost this was certainly almost prior to radio definitely prior to television the pulps and um edgar rice burroughs along with you know howard and um uh, the people who wrote doc savage were really the first people in the teens to really 
jumpstart this, you know, this pulp tradition, which yeah, kicked I out mean, the dime store novels. You know, when that John Carter movie came out, that Disney version. Yeah, it was so... It's actually pretty good. It's a great movie. Yeah, the problem is that it was totally marketed incorrectly. And that's the problem, is that people should know that, like, you know, we, we wouldn't have Indiana Jones today. We wouldn't have all these, like, Saturday morning serial, like Star Wars, Star Wars all these, all the stuff that, like, Lucas and Spielberg all are paying homage to in those movies and, like, you know, Indiana Jones or Star Wars what? You know, is directly out of, like, a John Carter story. Yeah. When and it's people, it flopped. And it was Disney, too. So they would have, yeah. I didn't see it. I hear it's really good. But I, it's I, like, rent, I ended up renting it. And I was like, you know what? It's pre- it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if anything, like, do they, is it even, you know, I might have, I John Carter and Mars. They even, they, I think it's called John Carter. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, why would you take off, you know, John Carter uh, of Mars? Or, you know, it's like, why would the, or is it, uh, I did, I think for in that, in that particular case, I think nobody, I don't know if it was an assumption that people would know what it was. I mean, you're you're selling. No one's gonna know. It's like it's like what you said to me about freaking Tintin. Great freaking movie, but yeah. it flopped here because American audiences don't know Tintin. Yeah. So you're that's your marketing campaign. Well, I just remember when like I rented it on DVD or whatever when it came out, uh, the John Carter movie, and uh, there was this great like documentary about Burroughs and John Carter, and it. It was like instantly when I watched it, it was on this like a special feature. I was like, if they showed this on ABC on a Sunday night yeah, or they, on the sci-fi channel, they just played this hour long documentary and, and let everybody know what this story is, why it's important. You know, the, this is the genesis of all kind of like, split, you know, like space <laughs> exploration yeah, kind of, adventure movies. Yeah. You know, like. Instantly, it was like if they just let people, if people watch this, they would have wanted to see this movie. It was just so big. It gets to that bigger conversation. They just sometimes will bill or just market so things that's so like completely my, that's wrong. That's my big question with like this new Tarzan movie. I mean, when was the Disney one? Disney one was 99, and there might have been a sequel that was, uh, you know. The question is, is like how familiar are a young, is a younger audience to, with Tarzan? They might, they, they might have had a cartoon running for a while on the Disney Channel. And... Um, Let's see. I thought there was one after that, like a, a a live action one. There was a live action one. There was another. There was two animated ones. Tarzan of the Apes, 1999, was there was an animated film, and then the Disney's Tarzan was also 1999. Um, and I thought there, there was something after that, like a like another live action one. But this is the thing where if they don't let people know. You know, they need to have that money machine behind it to like tell people what this stuff yeah. is. Because I'm just curious because there's a lot of things that we grew up with. Our ge- I think I feel like our generation grew up with like a, a, an inherent knowledge of because well, it was from, still in our for, culture from one you know, other reason. Yeah, for horror know? movie, we talk about that with with horror like Frankenstein, yeah, Dracula, Wolfman, this kind of thing because it was our parents' generation. And but sometimes when time goes by so long that you don't see something, you know, you need to kind of reintroduce it to society. You can't just I mean, think. You know, we had the. Like you said, the De- the Bo Derek uh, one, and then this came out um, while we were still young. So I mean, I guess it was fresh. It'll be really interesting to see. I mean, you know how this how the new Tarzan does kind of like uh, you know box office wise. Because I'm really curious like, if anybody really cares about it, it enough to go see. Sadly, it. The, the bottom line is what counts now. So these things won't. I don't know if they won't get made, but yeah. certainly they'll be discouraged upon. Because that, like you said, that John Carter kind of just blew. In yeah. a sense, I mean, just not blew the movie, but it just it flopped at the box office because you need to tell people that you know yeah. this is how everything started. I mean, they they really pioneered in a whole industry that was you know copied all over the world, and then the second wave brought us you know people like um, 
uh, Dashiell Hammett and you know uh, uh, Earl Stanley Gardner who wrote um, um, Raymond uh, what's his name Perry Mason yeah. I mean freaking you have these people who were writers like Earl Stanley Gardner was a guy who was a lawyer he was a practicing professional lawyer and at the same time he had a job writing he would write uh, freaking Perry Mason and he would and his workload was so bad that he would dictate these stories to his secretary so she would just take dictation of his of him you know read out of his head yeah. doing a Perry Mason short you know and it's just like it's, it's an amazing just you know we talk and then you know you get into the 40s, with, you know, you get Raymond Chandler, Jim Thompson, and in the 50s, Mickey Spillane. But it's just all these great writers came out of this, and they just really defined, you know, they gave they gave us, like, all these kind of, like, tropes and, like, um, story conventions and stuff that, you know, we, that developed into, like, the Saturday morning serial. Sure. Well, and then this is where you get, like, Jack Kirby's, Stan Lee's, the, the Bob Kane's were looking at all this stuff and directly, well, yeah, you know, I mean, then like all this stuff, right. I mean, there's definitely, know, like, a family tree of, like, you know, like, how each branch, you know, even, like, for instance, uh, you know, Ray Bradbury yeah. said in, like, uh, Paris Review, he did an interview at some point, and he says, Edgar Rice Bro, uh, Never, never uh, would have looked upon himself as a social mover and shaker with so, with social obligations. But as it turns out, and I love to say it because it upsets everyone terribly, Burroughs is probably the most influential writer for the in the entire history of the world. Burberry continued that by giving romance and adventure to a whole generation of boys, meaning his generation. Yeah. Uh, Burroughs caused them to go out and decide to become special. Yeah, and it's like, you know, people, a lot of these, and the good thing about um, this first book, uh, Tarzan of the Apes, is it just went in public domain in, in 2012. So when we make a Tarzan movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we just make a darn, darn Tarzan movie, and they released, a, um, I think it's like the library of the, some, some, um, some great institution released this really, really nice um, edition of it, almost as it was a... Um, now here's the thing when with you, the original art of how it looked when it came out, you know, a hundred years before. You know, you, you're gonna, you know, you take like an Ellison review, um, and you know, we'll dive actually into uh, the, you know, the actual movie in a second, but um, of like attacking it for claiming that it's like the the, you know, it's claiming to be like the first uh, faithful, yeah, one, and though, you know, and though it shies away from the regular story. At toward you know in the midpoint point or whatever, if you read like the synopsis of like the first book, like I, it seems like the way they went with it seems way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, me. it's it's the, the the big the big contention used to be was that you know Burroughs wrote Tarzan as Lambert portrayed him, where he's a he's an intelligent guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, we can get into to, to the actual character itself, but when it started getting uh, film adaptations, there was there was. One in 1932, the first uh, one of this series, Tarzan of the Eight, uh, Tarzan the Eight Man, starring uh, Johnny uh, Weissmuller. Uh, um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, like we always do. Yeah. Uh, he was the one, he went on to do like 11 Tarzan films yeah. in the 30s and 40s, and he's the one who kind of put in, set in the uh, the the you mindset, yeah, that he's he's an, he's a Neanderthal. Yeah. He's you know, I mean, certainly you know, if if, if we're going under the 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 the, the um, idea that Tarzan's going to be a, a real person like this is a real world stuff you know of course he's going to have issues you know we'll, we'll already say that he's going to have issues adapting like this movie shows but yeah. 
it's different where you have where you're coming from an intelligent being as opposed to this guy, you know, in the 30s who kind of it's it wasn't him his portrayal, but it was probably the, the, the scripts he was given that he's kind of like a Neanderthal, and then yeah, you kind yeah. of like have to like it's like teaching a dog tricks, you know, he can barely speak and all that. So because of that now becoming like Bible to the story, you had 50 years of films that came through that sure. was working off of Tarzan's an idiot. You kind of, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, for instance, you take. Like even like Captain Caveman on se sa 60s yeah. and 70s Georgia cartoon. The you know, they're all idiots. So what they what, what Warner Brothers is trying to purport here is that this is getting back to the yeah. purist that he's showing. No, well, he's instance, not. for instance, to show you how a film can kind of. But Al Ellison was just picking, you know, picking hairs at that point. And he's like, there's another thing. <laughs> You know, to show you how like a film can be can change like the by the you know the quote unquote Bible of like a story, yeah, or a myth or whatever. You know, uh, like vampires, you know, weren't killed by sunlight until Murnau did it, yeah, in Nosferatu, the silent movie, yeah. And then that, Bram Stoker uh, wasn't because he's walking around during the day, yeah. And the so Bram Stoker, it, you know, um, so there's it's just like another thing to show you how like one movie comes out, the popularity of that movie changes like the entire myth of that character. Yeah, and, I, and in that case, like vampires in general, like the sun will kill them. And while we're here talking about Robert E. Howard, when are we ever going to talk about the, the, the author again? Unless we do Conan the Barbarian, which which I, which I, I can always be, I'll be, I'll be I, in the, I completely doing we'll the, the, do the, the, the John Milius version with Schwarzenegger. Uh, he he became famous. He wrote all his life. He became famous at age twenty three. He committed suicide at age thirty, and he committed suicide because he he ended he. he Learned that his mother lapsed into a coma that she wasn't expected to wake. He walked out to his car and shot himself in the head at age 30. I don't know what that has to do with Tarzan, but I'm with you. Um, I'm just saying the plight <laughs> of, you know, I guess, you know, of, of a guy like that, a fate, you know, like yeah. how conflicted, you know, how we're talking about like, you know, people dying tragically young. This guy kills himself. The the the, the, the guy who, you know, created Conan yeah. kills himself at age 30 with a gun to his mouth. How crazy is that? But well, these stories. You know, it's that's it's the truth. You know, yeah. tragedy of uh, the artist, the you artist, know? you know, creative um, minded. But these stories back then were like, you know, it's it just it's 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 amazing that, the, the, you know, the stuff that they pioneered. And, um, you know, Tarzan was originally conceived to be a kind of guy who um, was represented. I mean, I don't want to say like an Aryan, but he was kind of like the idealistic man. He was like, the, he was, you know, his body was in shape. He didn't he wasn't um, kind of. Uh, the, the the colonized world of right and wrongs of rules kind of didn't apply to him so he his his feelings and his decisions were built more on more genuineism you know more genuine you know out of love and respect he didn't he wasn't kind of like spoiled or ruined by like civilization yeah. you know and that's how Burroughs wrote him so that when he would you'd have him in you know uh, in the original book he goes to like Baltimore to meet Jane and Jane's gone. He goes to Wisconsin and he finds her in Wisconsin and Jane uh, is like going to be married to like uh, his, cousin. his cousin. And he then decides not to tell her who he really is because he doesn't want to ruin her life. Yeah. And he kind of goes back hat in hand back to the jungle. You know, he realizes. So he kind of, he makes, you know, he, the, the decision that like Tarzan is, is not like, you know, um, like us, we're, we're you know we're led by emotion or, or, or ir irrationally by whatever these you know. So he tr he kind of shows what you know society is versus us. I mean, there's another example in the book where you know he's eating at the table and he's licking the, all the meat off the bones because he thinks in his world you can't waste anything. Where his cousin sends back his meat that they're eating because it's not cooked right or he doesn't decide to, to, to eat it you know and it just shows that you know the the distinction between us and you know that that kind of a world so he's 
he's designed in that such a way. And then when you get into the thirties, they kind of make him an idiot, you know, and they kind of like just make him very like basic. So then when you get now the portrayal of Lambert for, for Tarzan purist, and there was, it's interesting you think about the f- people who are fans. And I guess maybe that's getting smaller with age because they haven't been doing Tarzan, yeah. you know, vehicles that like, you know, that must've been really exciting to see, Oh my God, they're going to do it. in and like, you know, how, how the source material was. Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, let's dive into the movie. I mean, we're taking something that you know had had been adapted, had had you know over twenty volumes yeah. written as, as stories. Yeah, over oh, Jesus, forty, fifty years. You know, and then uh, you know, and then films probably through most decades. Yeah, every decade. I mean, because it was such a fat people. People love this, and it goes like you know back to like. The, the stories that we we saw up until like the 80s or 90s of like the you know um the like orientalism yeah. you know people looking at like the um you know the the darkest of africa or like the mysterious east you know and the mysterious east gives you characters like i love like you know fu manchu charlie chan mr moto you know it's and the idea of like you know like the white hunter is going to go like in you know the darkest depths of Africa. I mean, they're going to yeah. go like you know colonize. They're going to go domesticate. They're going to go Christianize. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look civilize, at, whatever. And this yeah, is these I mean, ideas. Take for <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I get your point. But this is so. It's like this is so exciting of a, the, yeah, that's I mean, how the if, movie starts, which is what we're doing. We're going into and the, we see these hunters. They're just shooting yeah. everything. You know what I mean? And but uh, I guess my, po- my my point was that like we're you know most of these adaptations are very much like action adventure. Yeah. And now we have a, a we have a basically like a costume drama, kind of like with a, a bit of an epic flair, you know. I mean, at least the you know the so the anniversary uh, DVD you know opens with like a two and like a minute and a half overture. Um, it's a film that gets nominated for Academy Awards. I mean, it's definitely it's got some gravitas to and it. And we talked about that in the Black Hole cast because the Black Hole has an overture at the beginning. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because that was one of the last movies that had an overture. So it's now this one, they give you an overture. And I wonder if this is one of the last movies to do it or they did it consciously on purpose to, to throw back to the old days. Or you yeah, have, you know, I mean, like a, but I'm very well could have. And I mean, that adds on to the length of the movie because the, the cut, what is it, like two hours and 16 minutes or so. So you have like, like a yeah. three-minute or four-minute overture at the beginning, and then you get into the movie. You know, it shows you it's going to be epic. So, yeah. I mean, so, like, that's my point is that, like, it's – we have, like, uh, you know – a very serious, you know, non-action movie, and that could also, which I think is, I think is great. You they know? could do that on purpose. You're right to set the tone that, hey, look, it, you know, it's not going to be the same portrayal as I mean, from running after Jane, directed by the guy that won the Academy Award in 1981 for, you know, uh, you know, obviously for a serious movie. Um, so, uh, you know, I remember we went to see it. My question is, like, to me. No, you and your. You, you, I mean, yeah, like my, my dad told me. I, like, I didn't see this, see would you? Full disclosure, I had never seen this all the way through until this video. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. So, like. Yeah, what's my connection you with know, the movie? Like, like how do you have. You know, obviously now you've. Uh, seen no, I've never thing, seen but. the movie all the way through, but I remember it being played growing up. Like, we had a couple of the movie channels, and this is probably how I was exposed to movies like Terminator, whatever, yeah, the uncensored yeah. versions. So, I do remember it being on when I was little, but for some reason, I turned it off. 
uh, and I remember specifically, the, I, I would catch the scene where he's on top of the manor house, yeah, and he throws the rock off and hits the back of the guy's um, car, yeah. yeah, his motorless, horseless carriage kind of a thing, a little little mm-hmm. uh, race car. And I remember that scene and him jumping down and then like having cross words with the guy. And that's the only scene I remember. It's like, wow, Tarzan's, um, you know. But I didn't remember anything about if they were going to be in England or Scotland or yeah, you know, the, you know, the, the, the parts of the um. Of Africa, and it reminds me of the time, like those movies, like The Mission, you know, the the De Niro movie where he's a uh, like a conquistadore and he kills somebody in the street and he goes to like repent himself yeah. to the Catholics and he like you know carries a cross up a river, you know, climbing, like how the '80s used to give you those stylized kind of movies that like you know were were of that era and you know they're these epic you know. Uh, you know, it's shot in the jungle kind of a movie. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, take a look at, you know. But it's know, funny because a lot of this wasn't shot in the jungle because the DP had had a fear of spiders, so he didn't <laughs> want to go to Africa, so they shot almost all of it. And it looks, in close-up, you know, you, you kind of have that feeling that it's, since it's a big, I, I attribute it to it being a big Warner Brothers epic. They wanted to yeah. have 100% control of the conditions, and that's why in close-up, you're shooting on a set, and you come to find out, no, just the DP's like, I ain't going to freaking Africa. <laughs> I, I'm scared of tarantulas. Fuck you. And then they were like, okay. Then and it was that, you yeah. know, well enough that they kept the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the DP. But I do like the idea that it presents, and that's why I brought up the the whole point about the ori- Orientalism is that it really shows you. Maybe this is just me looking at with, with age that like it's it's a theme that you see. I think for me most. Uh, fully kind of realized in the remake of Night of the Living Dead that Tom Savini directed where uh, they really hammer home the point that like no at the end of the day the zombies aren't the monsters the humans are the monsters yeah. they're just a direct you know they're just a a, 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 a by, not a byline but like a a, a a another version of us I can't think of the word and that's where I get this here where it's like you have and they do it beautifully like you have these just these white proper you know hunters coming in just shooting anything they see they don't care what the hell they're doing they're just they're, they're taking animals they're taking babies they're shooting babies they don't care because to them they're like okay yes you know the savages fuck them yeah well you even know. even the i mean we even get like the tribal people yeah you know, as the, being like kind of the enemy as well and that's that's something that goes to the second part i think of the original source material book burroughs's book where he uh t- the, the the savages kill his 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 mother figure and then he uh, forms his uneasy uh, yeah, relationship but, with the tribe, and he's like selling and bartering, getting weapons, or he's doing raids on them as well. And yeah. it, it kind of develops that way, where he's the relationship with the tribe is ex- explored a little more. Or in this movie, which I think it's it's good for the movie, they properly just show his relationship with the Western culture, you know, of the white people coming in, you know. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, in a nutshell, one of the things that I like about the movie is that we start with a very brief kind of like prelude of like the gray stoke and his parents going on some expedition and it opens beautifully it opens on this beautiful matte painting and, yeah. it, and it's the same it's the same shot that closes the film yeah we fade up on this beautiful big big Mac painting of it looks like like i forget the was it in atlantis where's um uh you know wonder woman from you know what i mean like oh, yeah, whatever yeah. whatever fictional yeah. colony she's from or whatever it looks like that like yeah. you see like a a huge waterfall in the wind. It looks like it's like there's fire and all, you know, it's very, yeah, it's very yeah. primitive. Like it looks like a volcanic rock. Yeah. And the guy, I, you know, I don't remember what his name is, unfortunately, but the guy that they got to do all of like the matte painting yeah. stuff. It's is, not is uh, the Ellen guy, Shaw. Is the guy that did all the Hitchcocks. Oh, wow. 
you know, and it's, it's the guy that Hitchcock always liked to do all his map painting stuff. And it starts with this image, and it also ends with this image. It, yeah. it fades out on that. So, and then it has this, like you're saying, this little like like um, like preface of the story of. And it's weird because it's it's odd how it's like tacked on in a way, and you have to try to figure out what the hell this is. But it explains the backstory of what happened to the yeah to the I animal, mean, there's a the couple monkey of, couple. <coughs> why I they mean, so the movie ends up. There are some holes, and it's for, for me specifically the specifically the ones. There's holes like in the beginning and at the end, um, and they say it was. You don't know if it's because of them not, you know, cut butchering his script, you know. Yeah. So towns, it could be they took town script and just cut it down, you know, or they re-edited it. So who knows what was in that original script yeah. that could could have explained away these plot holes that you see. We get two kind of like back-to-back scenarios in the beginning. One is kind of explaining. Uh, the Kayla, the mother ape, loses her baby. Um, oh, it's terrible too. From like a, a from like an asshole, <laughs> like uh, you know, alpha male during like a storm. Yeah, and then and they don't they don't hide it either. You just see a freaking baby just fall and like plop on a rock, and you're a boulder. And you're like, oh my god. And then it's juxtaposed with uh, Greystoke and uh, the Clayton Tarzan's name is John Clayton in the movie. Uh, his parents leaving for some kind of voyage. Yeah, they're going, and then and he also like the you know um, the the father in it, um, Ralph Richardson, who this he died. Uh, this was his last performance. He plays the elder um, Clayton. Uh, he's kind of hesitant about them going, and then you know uh, you can tell. And but this was like almost like a rite of passage for some of these people, these yeah. big families. Like you just go on a big expedition, and this what he, he says like you know are you sure. His daughter's gonna be all right in the jungle for a year, and he's like, "You'll be fine. Don't worry." The the, the husband figure, and he's like, "All yeah. right, I'll see you when you get back. You'll see me. I'll see you when you get back." And it's you know, and you see they're getting ready to go, and it's nice. And then I is also the little girl we see is that Jane? I think that's supposed to be Jane. Jane like yeah. gets picked up by the father, and <clears throat> she's you know, and then it's like, oh, you know, we, we, I didn't realize because I did my history. I hadn't I had never read the Burroughs novel, and I wasn't up on Tarzan. For some reason, I thought that they were. You know, I didn't realize the Jane connection later on. So then, like you say, so then they 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 go off on this this expedition, and then the next scene, is <laughs> and then the next shot is like there's it's, like it's <laughs> freaking Ro- not Robinson Crusoe, it's Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, you know? like it's uh, hor- it's horrific. And that the guy who I don't know if he's supposed to be the captain, whoever's who's yeah, it's who, not my fault. Yeah, that, that's that's horrifying. And then it's like we see him later on in the movie. He's, well, we see basically the ship wrecked and. People washed up ashore. People survived. People I mean, are it dead. Starts, I mean, it's moving at a clip, almost like yeah. too much of at a clip. It's like yeah. all of a sudden, it's like and the ship's out. The ship hasn't sank. I think it just ran aground, or yeah, I guess you know, because the ship's out there with a hole in it, and it, I don't know if it's maybe because there's low tide or whatever. But you know, whoever this guy, you know, he's there and he's saying it wasn't his fault what happened. It probably clearly was, you know. <laughs> and then we'll see him later on. But then and then we see the husband and wife. Um, Thank gosh, is still alive. He's he would he, he's a physician. Yeah, he seems know? like he's some kind of doctor. So they're like, oh, and then the next step is you're right. It's like jumping like very and it's quickly. Like, and then and the next scene, they it's have like a, they're they have living a, in the jungle. Yeah, they're it's freaking. They built a, g- a giant treehouse. It's Gilligan's Island style out of the ship. Yeah, and they, they, they've they brought everything that's that's washed up ashore into a sh- into into the thing, and they've got freaking TV and, and Wi-Fi. And we have like the father's, uh, you know, his John, journal, yeah, John Clayton's. His know, diary. His diary, and it's now kind of narrating. We find out that the mother's sick. They have a baby. 
Yeah, takes it all out of her to having the baby. Having the she baby. dies, which is still very accurate to the book. Yeah, she, it, 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 and she dies very tragically. The scene itself, it's very sad, and the baby's and there. Then the, and, and then the apes come in and beat the father to death. Yeah, they, they, then this is how the connection is. And she takes the... And then Kayla's still carrying around this dead baby, which is like another thing that's like... I don't know. She seems she's been carrying this thing around a long time. But I, you know, they don't tell you. That's a, that's that's another thing. Is it's all out of order. So that could have happened the night before. Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't tell you, which is you I mean, know. I guess you're supposed to assume it's chronological. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but nowadays, if you think of like movies, how they do it today, that could have that could be they like, went Pulp Fiction on that. Yeah, thing. yeah, that could have been like the night before. That they should have linked the storm. <laughs> Let's you know? go Pulp Fiction on this yeah. shit. What does that even mean in 1983? <laughs> don't worry about it. You, you, you'll you'll always, know. Yeah, you'll know in 20 years. What's my math? Nine years. So um. So yeah, so the 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 mean gorilla comes in, and I want to say gorilla. I don't know if they're monkeys or gorillas. Well, that's the thing is that with another interesting aspect of the movie is they're kind of like a made a made up species. Yeah, they're too big to be chimpanzees, but they're too small to be gorillas. They're not silverback. So it's really like and did Rick Baker do gorillas in the mist as well? Yeah, Rick Baker's because that's like the most real. That's you know yeah. that was like eighty seven or eighty eight, and that's really said. So to Rick be like, Baker kind of like invents this species. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a fictional species of, of a primate. And then also he had to be saddled with the task, much like, I guess, a Planet of the Apes movie to a certain extent was not only did you have to fabricate these masks, you have to have them kind of be identifiable for audiences. Yeah. People can say, okay, this is the bad guy, this is the good guy, this is yeah, the female. Yeah. And then out of that, you want to have a whole shitload of them that are uh, undistinguishable so that they can blend in better so that the principles of those monkeys will yeah. then you know stand out. So that's a feat that's pretty hard to do. So, th- but then from the minute that the fa- that the father dies, the we, parents are dead. The Tarzan's parents are dead. Yeah. We have a, ba- a, mu- a, sh- a movie without dialogue for like the next half hour. Yeah. Um. She, yeah. So she sees the baby. She hears the baby crying. The, the, the ape, the head ape, we'll call it ape or monkey. Kayla, and she she realizes right that 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 Kayla realizes that uh you know they needs help. She picks it up and she just adapts the baby as hers. Yeah. Um. Interesting that the Tarzan is in the name of the, the movie title, but he, no one ever speaks the word Tarzan. Um, Which Ellison in his review says is like absurd. But at the same time, well, but, but, but in the in the context of in the book, yes, which is the a, the, the, the the apes have a language, yeah, ape language, and Burroughs uh, they name in the Burroughs book the apes name Tarzan Tarzan because Tarzan in their language means white skin. Yeah. So it is completely plausible. It sounds like Allison's. I mean, we kind of see visually that there's communication between the apes and between Tarzan yeah. and the apes as he grows up. But it's not put into like a fictionalized language. I w- see, I wonder how. So the how name Tarzan would have never. It's interesting to in go read the, sof- uh, the, source, uh, the source material and see if Burroughs actually didn't, you know, much like. Um, Jose uh, Farmer did had to justify how Tarzan's able to learn stuff. You know, you, you yeah. have to try to hit these hurdles. That that must have been a, a, a hurdle as a writer. Um, is it ooh, ooh the entire time, or, <laughs> does, or is he actually like talking to the? You know, I would assume that he's, you know, he's yeah. almost like Crocodile Dundee in that shit, where he's talking to him in a certain way, where he's like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> with, with the uh, bullhorns, <laughs> like, cro- like Crocodile Dundee. So you you don't know. So then. Uh, the so, so I mean I I agree with honestly like per, from a I personally agree with from the standpoint of like not using the term Tarzan. Yeah, I do too. Because it's coming from a how would they know to call him Tarzan? Yeah, unless he said me Tarzan, you gay, <laughs> we fucker. <laughs> um, Sorry. and then we have like basically like a beautifully told kind of like silent story for yeah. like the next for like the first third of the movie. 
Yeah, um, until the white pit men come again and fuck everything up. Um, we, as we see kind of Tarzan age, and then a lot, a lot of these beats of him kind of growing up are taken right out of the book. Yeah, this is where they're they're him know. rising to, you know, his, him having like the, his parents and the and the his father ape being kind of you know pushed away from uh, the clan by a new alpha male him killing this new alpha male and becoming the Lord of coming, became becoming like King of the apes. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful story and I, you know, like, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there that are like, Oh, this is just a, well, you know, you know tree it, hugger, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, because it does paint kind of humanity in a, in a bad light. Yeah. You know, that's the, well, see, that's the problem. You know, you don't, you can't really, you know, if, if you want to look at it, like, like say like, you know, left first, right or whatever. I was trying to think of this myself where it's like, how do you paint like, you know, like, uh, uh, conglomerates in like a good way The conglomerates are always, if it's the evil oil company it's, or yeah. it's the evil millionaire. I mean, there's a book series called Atlas Shrugged out there, which kind of is a conservative bastion and that kind of yeah. points these things in a good light, but it's really hard. So of course, you know, you're going to have that then. And then, and I want to say it's, 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 it's sad, but true around that time. Like that's what people were doing. Like, so you're right. It, it, it becomes this kind of where I guess you're, that kind of exemplifies the idea of him being a reactionary character, where these well, elements are forced upon him to ascend, and then he's even taken out of his in, his natural environment, yeah. you know, albeit like forced upon him at birth. Yeah. And he, when he goes back to Scotland, um, you know, where he's supposed to be from, it's not really, he's not digging it there, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, tra- I mean, it's a tragic story. I mean, at every step of the way, it's nothing but like heartbreak for yeah. this character, unfortunately. Um. To the point that you're speaking of, we get it, there's an interesting kind of duality to uh, quote unquote like the you know the Western, like the white man, you yeah. know, like the Western civilization coming and in that and time invading. period, just completely because you have, um, you have like the hunter guy, who's clearly like leading the expedition. So we and what, so he Tarzan comes to age. He's having fun time. I, he's yeah, a I mean, like, and then you think, have you have the we next basically step. have an, some expedition comes to yeah. Africa, and part of it's like there's the this is, gets the second half of the plot going. Yeah, you know, yeah. of like you I know mean, of, of things that come. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how really kind of you know in terms well, of really order of things how much this really matters, but yeah. um, you know to speak to what you're talking about. Uh, you know, with this, this expedition comes and we have what the interesting part is what is what I'm saying is that there's like this duality of there's the people that are there for like, quote unquote, scientific purposes. I mean, it's an expedition to, uh, you know, to to gather specimens for like the for like the English yeah, you know, museum or something history like. museum or something. So you They're have like the people the that are there for, quote unquote, science or whatever, preservation uh, however, like, however you want to look Ian at Holmes it. is one of them. Yeah. Well, he's just kind of there because he's ordered to be there. He's yeah. kind of like this outside party that's 
kind of against the whole thing to, yeah. to begin well, with. Well, he's like the cynical smart man. He's almost like an author or a writer. But you have writer. like the guy who's, you know, later in Gravestoke, the guy with the glasses. He's there for the museum. Yeah. And then you have like the asshole hunter guy that's just shooting everything that moves. Yeah. Now, what's interesting who's is Who's also very, to, I think his character seems like he's very familiar with the environment so, to a certain extent. I mean, he ends up getting killed there. Yeah. But so I think he takes it all for granted. He's like, you know, this is how, you, this is how you're supposed to treat him, that kind of a thing, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll get to, I'll get to this point yeah. eventually. <laughs> the point is, like, you have you're showing like this. Uh, you're showing this, you know, the the humanity and Western civilization in a bad light. But you're showing like the real assholes, and then you're showing like the ignorant asshole, mm. like the you know. So it's like there's nothing. You, you, the only like part of it that's even has any kind of like redemption is the in-home character who's like you hear like his diary which is like if i didn't if i wasn't ordered to be here i would have left these assholes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long time ago like he's just like kind of disgusted by the whole thing yeah. but so you're but it's s- interesting too that he's he doesn't then kind of like in any way objection that's beyond like a you know hey you shouldn't do that so it's like you know i guess you can go down the, 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 another road is he then culpable because he doesn't you know, what's he going to do? You know, he can't say, hey, that's wrong, but it's like he's just kind well, of yeah, eyes documenting it. He's you know? certainly kind of a, an accomplice, even though he's like a reluctant accomplice. Yeah, but he does certainly point in the face that these guys are. But I just think it's interesting that you see, like, it's easy to hate the guy who's, who's just there killing everything that moves. Yeah. And doesn't give a fuck about whatever. Yeah. But um, you don't actually start to kind, at least that I didn't, you don't actually start to hate the, the museum guy until we get to Greystoke. And he's just like, we got to study him. You know, like he has no regard for John Clayton as a human. Yeah, yeah. He's more there. He, yeah, he's but, there that he wants to dissect him. But he's equally kind of, like I said, it's 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 being like asshole by ignorance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the other guy, the it's, they're, they're, they may be doing using different methods, but they're at the end, their strategy yeah, is the same. Yeah, I guess that's my point is that yeah. like, they're really not that different. No, because, <laughs> yeah, because when he gets back to England or Scotland where it's supposed to take place, he wants to, like, he's almost represents in the, the elephant man people, you know, the people who want to study him, where it's like the, these, you know, doctors, who they don't care what they do. Like, it's the same era where we had, I guess, in England, you know, when they, they were running out of cadavers to dissect, you had people body snatchers and they pay people to go rob graves and they you know because they need to dissect people to dissect so it's that kind of a yeah uh, environment you're in where it's like well you know uh you, you know you can't what is it you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs <laughs> kind of a situation so yeah, yeah there was a lot of people like would look the other way you know, of, of the society back then and you just like how hard it was i mean i'm thinking like going on an expedition into the freaking jungle people did this i mean like we're not yeah. and we're not even talking about like teddy roosevelt who would bring like five thousand people and like like you know uh casks of of ale to drink at night like you know you and i get funding to go on some sort of exposition for like say a museum or to find a ape or find a, a, a mummy in a in a, in a freaking pyramid it's like how you know you're really going especially back then to like uncharted territory it's very much like you only just going to a different planet dealing with who the hell knows what you're going to do and then for me like to think about like i'm such a germaphobe now and all yeah. or you know I, I don't like to go into a hotel room without having like a black light you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like now it's like these people are just going out and you know in like 600 degree heat you know and yeah. who knows when they're going to change or shower or you know it's just yeah i mean it's certainly a it's just it's like those were men <laughs> you know what i mean though like you know we're just like oh well i don't know is it raining out maybe i shouldn't i should call in sick today you know? <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are sleeping yeah, outside yeah. i mean look at the i i, I love i'm always fascinated in movies by like the uh 
the last outpost kind of a thing. Like, you know, right on the, the, the edge of society, like in Apocalypse Now, when they're getting near the end of the movie, they get to that crazy bridge where it's not done yet and they're shooting and that's the whole thing where it's like, you know, who's in charge here, soldier? Ain't you? You know, that whole thing with the roach. It's like you're on the fringe of yeah. civilizations falling off and over there is the unknown and you see that in a lot of Westerns as well. Like, you know, these outposts, these trading posts or like these haberdasheries and that's where like you have the David Suchet character where yeah. he's like on the... He, uh, uh, when they're when the, after the basically in a nutshell, uh, Ian Holmes gets injured. The tribe, the tribe attack the uh, the white people. They he decimates the. At first, they're like, "Oh, it's it's going to be fine," and then the they get overrun. It's almost like the beginning of that other movie of uh, uh, the the Reverend. You know, the Indians overwhelm, and so the tribes yeah. so the the. the, the the, the the party almost gets wiped out or they're able to get away. Ian Holmes hides and then Tarzan finds him and Tarzan takes him back and Tarzan nurses yeah. him back to health and it's very and then it becomes very much like you see the the innocence of Tarzan in a way where he's not ruined by society. Yeah. He's he's kinda like and you see this beautiful friendship. Yeah, exactly, where he's learning things. And then it's also it's interesting teaching him how to speak. And you don't know how long that takes because it's so interesting how uh it, it, and this goes back to that to that to the um, the idea of the uh, Walt uh, Newton family, where it's like, you know, is he a genius or was this, you know, that he's able to so quickly take yeah. on language abilities, learn things? Because in the original uh, Burroughs novels, Tarzan teaches him. He finds the treehouse and yeah. then he teaches himself how to read. It's like, <laughs> uh, girl, how does he even know what a C or a K looks? You know, sounds yeah, like so. Yeah. It's like so. I wonder how ho- long Holmes is. There. I mean, enough time for him to he gets a like a stomach injury and another injury gets to, like gets a thing an arrow through the thigh maybe. But so he's able to walk. But it's yeah. like by the end of it, they're having like you know like philosophical. He's understanding like you know no, I conflicted. Does it? Because Tarzan played by Italian. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't want to get out of it. That's some of the deep red cats from <laughs> two weeks ago bleeding still there in. bleeding in. But like you know they have these. It's it's gotten part of he's he's understanding like uh, uh, complicated theories about you know no um, razor you you know the, yeah. and then he's even to the part where also he, it's a good thing that Tarzan is not like naturally a really hairy guy yes yeah yeah he yeah. shaves Tarzan for the first time which Tarzan doesn't really need to shave he doesn't he's a, he, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was thinking it's like why doesn't Tarzan have a beard like does he you know you would think Tarzan would have like a huge freaking he look like one of these mountain men from uh, Alaska or something yeah. like that or a hipster from Brooklyn <laughs> you know you have these people with these fuck off off beers yeah. now so but yeah you're right so it's like razor razor mirror and he, he's able mirror. to by the end of it he's able to explain to him like no these are your family these are apes and tarzan's like what do you mean i don't understand uh, yeah you know, i mean that's it gets so then he, he's able to it's convince a, him i mean all i can say is i mean it's this is a tough one because it's like it's hard to know like really how much we need to get into and how much we need to explain. I mean, well, we're, we're basically done then. That was yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, to explain, like, the whole movie. You know? Um, so he takes him out. He, but he, so he finally convinces Tarzan. And, and I think that's, like, at the end of the movie, I think, you know, Ian Holmes realizes that, you know, he probably made the wrong call. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but he how probably would he has a lot time, of guilt you know? about it. But he convinces them that you need to come with me. You know, like you need to you need to be with people. You need to be with your real family. Yeah, like these these aren't your family, um, and so they then leave the jungle and they end up at like this outpost. Yeah, where he meets the David Suchet character. David Very Suchet owns like this like hotel, uh, just a boarding bar, boarding yeah area. You know where they they probably have boat access to the river. You know it's it's made probably out of like freaking like. Uh, uh, 
uh, what do you call those? Like bamboo, <laughs> you yeah. know. What I mean? And it's very much like wages of fear or sorcerer. Like you know, it's like freaking nothing's going on there. And then the guys come in, and yeah, you know, the, the guy who's presumably the ship, yeah, the captain of the so ship many years ago, there. he's stuck there. Oh, he's been here the longest. Yeah, he's been here the longest, and he's in he's in his own fucking world too, and he's gained weight even like more, and he's got a very beard. like. Uh, not so savory. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's 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 almost it hits upon like of character. What the what the original Wages of Fear does, where it's like that story about people they get there and then they don't have the money to get out of there, and that's uh, you know yeah. Wages of Fear turns out to be freaking sorcerer. They remade it that way, but I like that idea where it's like these guys. I think the same thing where they because then Ian Holmes is trying to borrow money to get out of there, and they're yeah. like, well, that's you know. So I it's freaky to think that like you know you get you get to get help you know now they're back to seeing more white men or more the civilization and they're not going to help you get out of it and you're stuck there and you become like you know these guys working, yeah well you these know? guys end up being assholes and they're gonna they know, start beating up Ian McKellen Tarzan Ian sees it <laughs> not McKellen. I'm sorry Ian home I keep saying Ian McKellen uh Tarzan intervenes the the, the place that's you know gets start a fire they're able to escape. The place burns down, and now they're back to... Yeah, but to Ian Holm has a great line there, which is kind of what you're talking about. He's like, you know, John, this is not humanity. Yeah. This is just the edge of it. Yeah, and that's what, that's how I look at that, and I find that just so fast. If, and that's even back to the uh, hateful eight, you know, like out in the middle of nowhere, you know, yeah. this, you know, place. So I love that. So then he, Ian Holmes then brings him back to, to civilization. Yeah, to the, the next house. time we see him, he's all... They, they, up. They pull up in a stagecoach, and they're all dressed up. And then it becomes the story of becomes uh, to, my fair lady. <laughs> yeah, it becomes the story of trying to, you know, readapt him. Yeah. to civilization. Um, Ralph Richardson is he plays the Earl of Greystoke. A beautiful performance. Yeah, um, of like this old man who is kind he's of still going alive senile, now, senile, and uh, he's senile, and in his head he's kind of confused. Like he kind of believes that uh, Lambert is his son, not necessarily his grandson. Who um, the, you know, now this is the going back to the first. We talked about that first scene where he said said goodbye to his parents and uh, to, to Lambert's parents, saw him off, and yeah. you know, and then now he's still alive. Lambert comes back and he's the grandson, but he's kind of like having this, you know, because he's kind of losing it because he's so old, and then you know he's he's in and out of it, but he's still very lucid at other times, and you yeah. know he kind of they have this nice poignant relationship because he's a man who's at the edge of his life and he's seen you know the world from front to back so he's trying to explain that to him too about life and you know he's talking about the 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 manor house and that was around the time where uh you, if you date it by the car we're probably in the teens you know uh the the little roadster or the 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 race car that the other gentleman has so that was at the time when like the, those aristocracies were starting to lose money because these people had like just endless family money that was you know they made rich from whatever way oil or whatever and then they, they were running out where it's like you can't this is not sustainable for generations to come and that's why people they would sell off parts of their houses they would you know sell their land off or they turn how that's how, how i'm a lord in in scotland in real life because <laughs> you know um there was a house in scotland that to keep up the upkeep they open it up to to, to to the public to come and look through the house and it's like a museum and they sell off little parcels of land i own one foot by one foot in scotland so i'm technically lord dion Baya. so he references this in in the monologue he has with lamberry he's like you know people want to sell stuff off don't sell anything this is what we worked for yeah. you have to be proud about this and i think that goes into lamberry's feeling about 
you know, life. He's like, yeah, why am I leaving my home and my land yeah. that I've worked so hard to acquire my family, which is the gorilla apes in, in, in the forest that come yeah, here. Yeah. And even though I may buy like genetic design supposed to be here, I'm no, I'm not. And it also just through the movie just brings up like the barbarity of, of people versus him. And it's yeah. almost, you know, like he's innocent in a sense. He hasn't been, he's like a child, you know, in these situations. Then he has, he meets these assholes, like the guy yeah. who's going to marry uh, Angie McDowell's character. This is her, we should bring her up. This is her, her, uh, film debut and while we watched it i was like she looks uh dubbed to me and we found out glenn close dubbed her because uh they thought her southern accent was too scr- strong yeah. and and g mcdowell's so she's andy mcdowell andy mcdowell so she's dubbed by glenn close who goes on to be one of the voices in the disney tarzan movie from 1999 yeah hey, it all comes in full circle yeah yeah so um um yeah so we get this like it's just i think this for me the strength of this movie comes from this you know from the relationships forged and like Lambert's performance of like this like the discovery you know this like discovering humanity now let me ask you a question when you saw it I don't mean to cut you off when you saw it as a child in the theater did you did any of this was any of this conveyed to you do you remember I mean I'm not I'm not gonna say you're gonna remember what you were thinking when you saw it but do you think you just grasp the concept of, you know, Lamb, the confliction his, his character was having, you think, you know? You know, it's that hard to tell. To I mean, I don't know, you know. Because it's so much, it's, we, we like to, we, we've been thrown around like the word meta in a lot of casts, but this is kind of meta in the sense where they're not making him just like an action star. He's not yeah. like Brendan Fraser in like a George of the Jungle movie. He is now a yeah. guy who's, you know, they're bringing him back and it's almost like, um, there's an example that's in my head that I can't think of, but it's almost like the 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 like apocalypse now. It's like they're bringing Martin Sheen back to civilization. He's like, no, my home's the jungle because I think there's a lot of things in it that I think are you just you you can't you you probably a six year old can't really identify with just because of life experience. Yeah, um, but you could probably say like this guy's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's mean, daddy. Uh, yeah, I do know. Like, obviously, it made a big impact on me on some level because this movie's always been a movie that's well. Like, certainly, I think the the romanticism or the escapism of it. You know, it's like that. That was what the the, the pulp tradition was. It was escapism, yeah. and it's you know unbridled us with sci fi and fantasy, and certainly this aspect. So, but that's I do, why. But I do think that there are. I think there's an emotional element to this movie that I think but you never went on to patronize other Tarzan movies it was just like this movie and maybe Lambert stayed with you but it wasn't like you went and sought out like I'm gonna go read some Tarzan that's I'm gonna, true you know. although you know I grew up in a household my dad was very much into like uh, classic literature anything from like you know you know like from Shakespeare to Jack London, yeah. or, you know, and the, the, you know, the three musketeers stuff. I mean, I grew up, my dad was very much a literature guy. So, uh, Tarzan, I think was a thing, Yeah, you know, just from like, from the literature standpoint, even though, um, it's coming from a different place of, you know, pulp compared to like, you know, full fledged, uh, yeah. well, by that time it was bonafide, I think. That, yeah. You know, but, uh, so there was that there and I bet you, I probably had like child adaptations. Yeah. Of it and, um, but it wasn't something that got me on. You're right. It's not something that like got me on like this huge, like Tarzan yeah. kick when I was a kid, but it's still tight, but it was like very much you know, like the movie you to suggest to do me. the movie, you know? Um, and it was something that, you know, 
it obviously is a very early memory for me and one that always stuck with me in terms of like, you know, whenever this movie was on, it was always like, oh, you know, I got to watch it. You know, this, this movie's always been with me yeah. kind of thing. And I think, you know, the, like I said, its strengths lie in, in, in the relationships and and kind of the inner struggle of Lambert. The relationship with him and, and Holmes is, is beautiful. Yeah. And then when he, le- like, there's, for me, this movie has a lot of, like, tear-jerking moments. And even just when, like, he leaves, when Ian Holmes leaves, and he's like, I'll be back when, you know, when I can, and he gives him the present, and he opens it up, and he's, and it's ra- Razor. Yeah. And Mir, and, uh. Then he runs after the so, car. It's just like, the, it's just. Oh, the like, horse, the buggy, and he, yeah, he takes the, he, he can't say goodbye, and then Ian Holmes you know they they hold hands yeah. while the car the buggy's going and he's able to take his ring off Lambert I mean that's like it. just like that's the nail in the coffin yeah. even just like the well he's like a child though yeah. it's like a child a child would react and it's sad because it's like he that's his comfort blanket so but it's speak. also just like a beautiful the a beautiful moment of he opens it up and Ian Holmes says razor yeah and he says right you know he repeats it it's like it's remember it's in a way it's kind of like it's what they bond enjoy on. your new home this is to remember me by but it's also like remember remember me and kind of in a way like remember where you, you came from to yeah. a certain extent um obviously the relationship between him and jane is you know probably one of the more significant relationships in the movie but his relationship with uh, uh ralph richardson another yeah, like that's, beautiful that's yeah when they're going around the house and just all that you know and then also how um lambert treats him the Tarzan character treats him. He doesn't. He gives him the respect. He treats him as an as a as a fatherly figure or someone to look up to. And he's and Richardson has his eye. You know, is sticking up for him too. You know, yeah. when they're at the dinner party and he's sipping, he's drinking the soup out of thing. He's like, "You're right. Our spoons are overrated." Yeah, and then everyone goes along with it. It shows almost like the you know the the hypocrisy. And back a lot then. of really funny moments. And yeah. um, you know, come out of like the fish out of water thing, but also you know, come out of. Ralph Richardson's just like beautiful performance, everything from like him dipping his, uh, his like shaving brush in the oh, coffee. coffee before he puts it on the or he puts uh, the stuff on you it. know the thing of like the, the the drinking of the soup to when they're like they're gonna have lunch and there's like that buffet and he's loading up Christopher Lambert's plate and then Lambert's just like you know throwing throw, throw, throwing yeah. the fish on and like the thing he's like you know what that looks good I'll have that <laughs> Not too. the same thing yeah um just a beautiful relationship so that one spoiler alert ralph richardson dies there's there's like oh that whole part oh uh this is uh we should check off too this is a christmas movie <laughs> so, <laughs> Not christmas yeah. christmas in june christmas in june and july this will be july yeah it'll be six months from now oh uh, you know it'll be christmas and this is a christmas movie but that whole end part where he He's, I think he's explaining it to a maid where the, a, a maid is helping him up to his bedroom. Is that it? And uh, uh, Ralph Richardson to... says how he used to, you know, so he's the house. So, it's, of course, it's one of these ideas where the house has been in the family for how many years or yeah. generations? He used to slide down the steps on the, a, Yeah, on the, the steps, big tray. steep steps, you know, and it, it has like a, a landing and then the more steps. And he says he used to take a dinner tray when he was like five or six and go down the stairs and curve. So uh, at Christmas time, you know, he kind of wa- escapes from the party when they're all 
dancing and singing along and then you know having a good old time doing like a waltz kind of like a weird inner monologue thing going on it's like a uh, very much out of um a christmas carol you know with, when they're dancing around and stuff like that and he goes he takes a dinner train he goes up or ralph richardson does and he wants to do the same thing again i'm like this ain't gonna be a good idea <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and he ends up killing himself he falls yeah, yeah. and he you know hits his head and it's, and it's very sad but it's so sad but it's so poignant it's, it's like, really this movie is very much it's a movie about loss yeah um you know, it's everybody that he Tarzan really cares about other than, you know, Holmes and Jane, he loses. And I think that's what Ellison is kind of referring to with like the reactionary part of it. Like he he's not a very action. He's, he's not an action oriented character. There's everything is just happening to him. But in a way, like I like that about this movie. Cause it, 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 him being the reactionary. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it is like because that's the way life is for most people. I mean, yes, yeah, so you'll everybody has their moments of like I'm gonna take life by the balls. I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna go after something. But for the most part, we're all just like floating through it, and yeah. we're dealing with the crap that comes with just being alive. Yeah, um, and he's just this poor guy, this like innocent soul that's just being like plucked from his world thrust into a new one and he's just trying to kind of keep up and every t- you know the, the Christopher Lambert's performance is like so beautiful and uh and funny and you know my favorite moments are like you know if you go back to like you know the scene like the dance scene in the the Christmas party when he's like dancing like he's like a kid and that like when he when he's excited and he can't contain himself like he regrets he, back to, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah he starts doing like the, 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 the ape, ape sounds yeah and it's such like a beautiful touch I mean I'm sure it wasn't like entirely a Lambert choice I'm sure I'm sure you know it was something that was discussed might have even been in the script um my other I love I love the scene when it's like in the middle of the night and he's just like roaming around the house and he goes down and he rolls onto like the pool table. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's all around. And then he's like j- jumping up against the walls. It's like, he's like, a, he's like a caged animal. Yeah. He's getting his house. like exercise out and he's like, or that's you know, kind of getting back to what he's comfortable with doing, you um, know, just, and also he, he, how quickly he's able to gain access to the roof and he's up on top of the roof and he's jumping down. And then there's the scene where, uh, the guy who's is is it the guy who's engaged the one who has the car is he the one who's engaged to um, he wants to be engaged to yeah oh yeah he he proposes to her and she's like no and he's like wow well, you know <laughs> fuck you yeah what's he say you know like you fucking whore <laughs> <laughs> David Patrick Kelly would say little, little commando the commando so you fucking whore so uh, excuse my language <laughs> so when the guy leaves then he's an asshole to the to the to the person who's simple minded to, to who's like a, a, a yeah. person around the house and and. Tarzan sees this and he's on the top of the freaking manor house. Well, he's gonna like he's gonna spank the guy. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do and that goes back to isn't it who was spanking people out in the jungle? Was somebody they were gonna spank they were gonna spank one of home. the villagers or, or, or was it Ian Home or somebody was gonna I think one of the guys it, it seemed like they were gonna whip or something. Oh is that at the is that at the outpost? At the outpost. Okay, I'm thinking that the, the earlier on that they the might have done they might have done that. spank like a vill- like a like a um It was at the outpost. Somebody at the outpost was spanking one of the villagers. Yeah, that they didn't do it right. One of the yeah, yeah. the village He's ladies. Like, no, or, you know, no, you're not gonna do that again. No. Yeah, so it's almost like yeah, so it's almost like doling out punishment. So yeah, when this 
guy who who wants to, who's courting uh, Jane want, is gonna you know they got to do anything wrong. Well, he's he, like honking the horn in his car. Yeah, he's, he's you know he's having fun. It's a fucking it's a, it's a yeah. horseless carriage, man. Who's he's <laughs> acting? And he's riding around like an asshole. Like, hey, look at me in the car. Yeah. You know, child. Hey, yeah, hey, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> he throws the guy against the car, and he's gonna he's gonna start whipping him with his crop, and then freaking Lambert jumps down like four throws stories, a, throws a giant rock, yeah, and hits hit, the and dents the back of the hits car. the the car, dents the freaking the, the complete hood, or or as you would call the uh, the boot, gets destroyed. Then he he says something, jumps down, and then that's when like Lambert starts throwing like the Frank Welker voice work at him, like he's, he yeah. does the lion, you know. Oh, that was an also an interesting he's like, he's like the, party. He's like the guy from. Uh, <laughs> From the Police Academy movies, <laughs> and we're fin- we're finishing our own lines tonight. Uh, what's his face, Winslow, or whatever his name is, Win- Will Cox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all that. And then, um, and it's also another thing to point out too. It's much like um, uh, the Elephant Man. What's his name? Um, uh, Merrick. Yeah, Joseph Merrick, where he's kind of brought into these situations. Merrick as the Elephant Man, he's shown off as an oddity, yeah, you know, and that's yeah. how he's able to get entry into like. A civilized or fascist, uh, sophisticated society. Now at this dinner party, it's almost like too. It's like Tarzan is being shown off as look. He's a yeah, a little you know bit. I mean, because I mean, then he's like, oh, like show us how you can do. You know, you're able to do impressions. I mean, now he's not put on like you know yeah, yeah. go. You know, go get your pipe, your organ. There is a little a bit of like, show us a couple of parlor tricks. Look, we've domesticated him, so let's see what you know. what I mean, it's almost like like almost like P.T. Barnum shit. Yeah, you know, and then you know. We have the love, the relationship developed between him and Jane. And then it seems like we then flash forward some time again. Yeah. This movie, there's a lot of jumping forward in this movie because we jump forward in time and it seems like he's even more adapted. He's now kind of become the Earl of Greystoke or whatever, the Lord or Earl of Greystoke after after Richardson had died. Richardson dies. Uh, I can't remember if it was when they go to the museum. They're going to go see like the the Greystoke Hall by the guy, uh, the museum guy that we were talking about um, from the expedition earlier in the movie. He's putting, he's opening like a new wing of the, of the, of his museum. Yeah. Uh, all due in large part of the, um, the, the Claytons have, you know, it was all because of them that they were able to open this, this philanthropic yeah. wing of the museum. And it's all very much like the evolution of it's, it's, and they even mentions, um, What's Darwin. his face? Darwin. Yeah. You know, and it's very much, and it, it becomes like this other kind of, like, like it's the last nail in the coffin of, like, well, yeah, the I mean, barbarity the minute, of the him. The minute they show up there, it's like, oh, that's not a good idea. You know, and it's it's just, yeah, he's, like, looking at all this stuff, and it's like. But the, at some point, that, that guy, he's like, I want to congratulate you, too. And I can't remember if he says, like, your nuptials or if it's the engagement. But so now him and Jane are definitely an item at this point. Ian Holm came. Uh, for for this event, and that's when he reunites with he hasn't yeah. seen him in so and long. It's like after the funeral, it's after the funeral, and and Clayton is uh, Tarzan is heartbroken over the death of his grandfather, and uh, him and Jane become closer, and they go uh, to this event at the museum, and the guy's showing off with like you know the museum guy with such pride is showing off all this all these you know, stuffed animals and stuff. And he's the, he's the man of, that we commented before was all about just wanting to like, you know, dissect almost literally yeah, Tarzan. Yeah. He's like, we need to study him, you yeah. know, in this part, who was on the original with Ian expedition Holm. with Ian, Ian Holm, but he got away. And, um, you know, Tarzan can't take it. Yeah. So he like, he kind of sneaks away and he starts to hear things 
he's outside. He hears things from another room, and he and he walks in. It's like the hall. It's like the room, like the laboratory of uh, anatomy. Yeah, it's like and, almost like an amphitheater where they can do dissection for and class. He, and, and he goes he, in the back, and he and sees he walks in, and there's you know, all these lab animals. And there's a and there's an ape being dissected. You know, open chest like broken open, and they are splayed out. And uh, there's monkeys in the cages, and then he sees that there's this ape. Uh, a large ape in a cage. And isn't there even like a like a child chimpanzee like being dissected on a table? Yeah, as well? there's a dead. Chi- there's a you dead know like a baby. like a baby in it. You know, and it's and it's also you know it's got like the the, the proper cuts so that they have the you know like the dissection. It's, it's, and so then he hears yeah, hear noises. He pulls a uh, like a blanket back, and it's and his he recognizes dad. it's his freaking it's dad. His, it's his ape father, the one we, that who we kind of we kind of mentioned earlier in the cast that his ape, his ape father. Um, Got pushed out of. Got pushed of out of by the, the alpha male, who the one who killed Tarzan's real parents yeah. in, in that fit of rage when he discovered him in the treehouse. Um, so his, which his, he was a real. So dick his ape father movie. left the group, you know, before Tarzan did even. So it's been even longer than he that he hasn't seen him. Yeah, um, and they instantly recognize each yeah, other. Yeah. So they, the implications there are that he was, you know, uh, captured by hunters, brought here to, and then he's not even going to be in a circus. He's going to. Most certainly be you know dissected, dissected you know and have a horrible fate, and uh, they instantly recognize each other. And you could tell, doesn't he have like the the father have like scars on him? You yeah, know, looks yeah. like he's been treated horribly. It's very sad going down that road again. Of, of Jesus, man, men and humanity are fucking assholes. <laughs> so Tarzan's able to. I don't, I don't know how he does that, but he's able to just rip open the freaking th- yeah. the cage. Well, there's like, well, why did the monkey do that? But it, you could you could argue that at that point the ape's broken. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like a broken soul. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he was. He's 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 completely. You know, he's almost like you know, come to terms with his fate. And <laughs> and this is a. I guess you could see from from a from a script writing point of view that it's where you tack this on near the end. Yeah. This whole episode because it's like, you know, you're really beating the audience over the head with like, you know, freaking humanity's assholes, they're assholes, they're assholes. <laughs> and then you have this last part where like, you know, he gets his father out. They jump down. They come out in the street, and they're just he completely, I guess, like reverts reverts to like uh, Lambert to being this an ape like he's yelling at people he's following the father around uh constables get around they start ringing their bells uh uh, whistles more people are around and then they they go up a tree in in like i think we're in london at this point right yeah i think so so they go up a tree in like you know hyde park or someplace and then uh like they the the next thing is the the one of the constables blow they're reaching for each other oh jesus guys the uh, lambert and his his monkey father are yeah and then one of the constables has a rifle down on the on the bottom of the tree and he shoots him right in the freaking chest and then again we see this epic fall just like at the beginning with the with the baby chimp on the rock yeah he falls they show us him hitting the ground. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's like King Kong, you know, and then he... Yeah, it's such a... You know, and that's another movie where it's like, you know, I, I in the past couple of years, I've become such like an animal lover because I have an animal. I just got a cat. And like, I don't even know if I can watch King Kong now because that yeah. whole, that's so sad at the end of King... King Kong just wants to go home, man. He wants to yeah, go back yeah. to freaking Monster Island. <laughs> Skull well, Island. I mean, it's such a... It's such a it's such a tragic scene, and the thing is, like, you know how it's gonna end. Yeah, like, you it's know not that this end would, well. Even like as they're leaving, you know, somebody comes up to to the museum guy inside the museum, and he's like, "Just gone down, yeah, just yeah, yeah. going down outside. You gotta go outside." So they go outside, and, and there's as, people screaming. And you as know? they approach, Ian Holm kind of says under his breath, "He's like, he just says to himself, like, please don't do this, yeah. John. Like he know, like every you know what's fucking gonna happen. Yeah. And then is and then the ape gets killed." 
And of course, Lambert it's jumps just, down it's just and he, had this, he was my father. Yeah. It's, it's almost like that James Dean from Rebel Without a, Without a Cause. Like, I got the bullets. <laughs> you know, when Sal Minio goes, uh, it's, so, it's so sad. It's and it's so like, sad. you know, uh, and then because don't they, he jumps down from the tree. Doesn't, don't yeah, they exchange a moment like and he dies the, in his yeah. arms? You know, and he it's does, just like. I mean, they do this. He does this beautiful, he does this thing. And it's done like every time, Lambert, where you can tell i mean it's like a primal thing that you can imagine monkeys doing so obviously that's why he does it but it is very he does it with ralph richardson where he's like he picks up his hand and like puts it on his head and he does it to his mother ape oh, when she it's dies. almost like this because that because you know a lot of apes to show affection and stuff you know you'll, they'll groom each other they'll pull yeah, stuff out yeah. and it's almost like it's trying to sh- it's almost like not forcing intimacy but hey you know well, even when he, you... when he finds his ape father in the cage yeah they do it he starts he starts like grooming him, yeah a little bit know? taking stuff off and that's how they that's how people well, the, these uh, animals bond yeah as they sit for hours on end like you know grooming each other or cleaning you know shit off their fur or, you know it's almost like how a cat or a dog will lick himself and then it's like it's really kind of like that's it's kind of like the, it is like all the like the last straw. The yeah. next scene is basically Jane Ian Holmes character and the museum guy arguing about like what's going to happen. Like what are they going to do with them? Yeah. Like um and I think Ian Holmes is the one that's like well he's a, like he's a man. Like they make him let him make the decision. Yeah, like let him decide. And at this point I don't he's think He's like well you, you know we have to study him blah 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 all this crap and Jane's just like I just want whatever's going to make him happy. Yeah. You know, you know she's like you know even if it's if it's not being with me I just want him to be happy. Yeah. And then he just he comes in and he you know does this thing jumps Christopher over, Lambert, yeah. Yeah, jumps over the sofa, you know, touches the dogs. And walks over, and he's like, I'm going back. Yeah. And he's already made the decision. And I don't, I don't know. I, I think at this point, it's interesting because how much he loved Ralph Richardson's character. He is kind of turning his back on that estate, but he, he, he can't help but do that because of, you know, he, he's never going to be happy there. Yeah. So, but I wonder if he's going to now, is he still the executor of the estate, or is he betrothing that to somebody else? Or Yeah, I don't know. You know? Who knows? You because know, because it's, it's also like the, the museum guy kind of needs he tries the to, estate for the for the. You know, because they're the one that's funding the research, you know, probably. The guy's like, you have to stay. You're the Earl of Greystoke. Yeah. And he's like, well, half of me is the Earl of Greystoke, and the other half to, uh, yeah, the other he'd half be of the, me is... He'd be the seventh Earl, because um, Ra- Ralph Richardson played the sixth Earl of Greystoke. Is, is, is savage. And um, it's just, it's a, you know, it's that, se- it's that scene of, like, that that scene is, like, the... You know, tis beauty that killed the beast. Yeah. See, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's what like dreams that, are made of. You know, you know it's <laughs> that. Uh, you know, you see, Jane and uh, Ian Holmes' uh, love for him, and and uh, they're wanting him to be happy, and and even though the, if that means losing him, that's. You know, like, so be it. So then we have, like, really, kind of, like, the finality of the movie is they go back. We see them at the waterfall. Yeah, they go all the way back in the jungle. Which we see earlier in the, in the movie, um, in the jungle. Now, this is another part where I feel like there's some holes here. You know, like, this is, as, as, as much as I love the movie, this scene is not as impactful as it could have been. The, the ending, this yeah. little, little last bit where you there's just something say, like, go- the goodbye to humanity. Yeah, because it's like there's something missing. It's like, you know, it's Ian Holm, uh, you know, Jane and and Tarzan. And then Tarzan looks over and sees the apes in the woods. 
And then there's not even a like of a stripping of clothes. It's just like the next scene is like footage from earlier in the movie of him like running to yeah, that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know it's and like, it, it, it was pointed like, oh, out fuck, to me we didn't get it. We didn't get the footage we need. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it was pointed out to me too where I think it's like even his hair is different. Like, yeah, so it's yeah. like it's like the continuity is really off because like you said, they're probably just using earlier there's footage. There's no like saying goodbye There should have been, yeah, you really could have had this nice like coda there where you could have had like, again, a tear jerk and poignant goodbye, yeah. but you know, I don't know why you cry, but it's something I cannot do. That kind of a thing, you know, it's like, <laughs> One of those, uh, you know, you know, you're terminated fucker kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's, it's not. It's just something, it's like a missed opportunity, unfortunately, I feel, for me. Yeah. With the end of this movie. Because so much of the movie is so beautiful. Well, they talk about that the movie originally was going to be like, um, I don't know, something ridiculous, the, the, the length that they wanted it to be. Uh, originally it was 180 minutes long. Yeah. So they, they cut that, what is that, 45 minutes they cut out of the movie to make it two hours and 15 minutes or maybe less. So... They said a lot of roles that were big parts originally were cut down to minor roles or cut out entirely. So I wonder if, again, a lot of this stuff that, you know, because sometimes, you know, for me overall, the movie, like the pacing, it's like it's it's at moments slow. And it's interesting that for for 84 or 83, there was that yeah. pacing as well. So I don't know if they were just working with what they had that they're trying to, like, cut the movie down and as well as the, the changes that they made to, from town's. Yeah. Towns a script, so you know who knows. Like they're just tacking on the ending, and then the next scene is like you know, like you said, he, he's around with the monkeys, like he's never left. Yeah, like, and then we cut to that one last shot of the beautiful yeah. matte painting. He leaves and then Ian Holm and Jane, and they know, pull back. You see her; she's wearing the the, the classic Jane outfit that yeah, you see yeah. Jane always, you know, with the white. And there's you know there's the, the thought umbrella. that like he can't parasol. He can't be happy in his in her world, and she won't survive in his world. But it's like you have to. It's. I mean, this just like I said. There's just there's a, there's something. There's a beat missing. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, there's something. No they Even if something. it's just like he sees them, he looks back at them, and there's like a shared look. They give him the old thumbs up, and then uh, then we see him running, and as he's running, he's like shedding yeah. his civilization, shedding his clothes symbolically, uh, like turning back. We're gonna have to do a re-edit on it. <laughs> Just get that. We just need um, a beat in there. But, uh, I mean, aside from just a few of these kind of like weird holes and missed opportunities, I mean, I, I really, like I said, this movie's always been uh, kind of like a very special movie to me. And um, It's interesting where also um, where it sits in the years of time for Warner Brothers. Like, you know, we had um, Superman come out in, in 77, is it? Donner Superman yeah I think so and that was huge and then well no that might be 79 the first know. one is the first one 79 I thought it was Star 70s. Wars is 77 okay then maybe it's 79 uh, and then uh, we should know this stuff but you know we have so much we, we, you know, <laughs> okay. we have so much Pretty on the sure brain 79. Um, and then you know you have like the, they're starting to do these these com, you know because you end up it culminates with Batman in, in 89 that's Warner as well yeah. so they're looking at these kind of properties and then like you know for them to do a Tarzan movie even though a Tarzan movie had been done in 81 yeah. that you see you kind of like okay maybe we could start looking at either pulps or old you know Spider-Man for a minute Canon may have done a Spider-Man in the 80s so they were looking for these stories so it's interesting to see where 
that they're doing like you know this kind of a movie. And I'm sure at this time you had a Flash Gordon movie that came out that flopped. Yeah. You know, and there might be something else that I'm um that that you know I mean Indiana Jones was of course doing Gangbusters. Yeah. So that they go and they get a a, a, a Tarzan movie and they do it and, and it comes out in '84. It's a good point. You know, bringing up the, the the Indiana Jones thing. You know, it, it you know, and at the same time there there was a couple of quarter main movies with um. Uh, what's Richard his Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain I saw one of them the one with Sharon Stone I saw that one in the theater yeah. with maybe Lou Gossett Jr.'s and that and then there's like you know Firewalker or even uh, King Kong Lives you know like in 86 Yeah, you know what I mean so you have a lot of these movies you know these you know go into the jungle kind of movies so maybe in, in comic book movies so you know they were looking for what was adaptable at that time for, for yeah audiences. I mean it's an interesting uh yeah, it, it, there's that. Because we've, we've touched upon that multiple multiple times on this, on yeah. this podcast. And it's Batman an interesting and Tracy take and to kind of go with like a, a much more of a, like a Victorian uh, costume, like yeah. epic yeah. with it. You, you know, know, giving it kind of, in a way, you know, doing what they kind of tried to do with, you know, Batman to a certain extent. Like yeah. a serious Batman, even yeah. though like looking back on it, it's still kind of comic booky. Yeah. But um, they but then by they, today's stand, you know, they, looking back on it now. But at the time it was like that was a very serious oh, Batman. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean for, <laughs> personally, I mean I'll argue that to the end of which we do in the Batman cast. Uh, hey, speaking of the Batman cast, I have you gave me this six hours ago, the Batman uh <laughs> uh thing from the, the, the program. But uh yeah, it's, it's certainly how they even make the Batman be like a homage to like Warner gangster movies as well as like yeah. you know that era the, the golden era so they p- kind of put Batman back in when he you know when he was kind of developed by Bob Kane like 38 39 but at the same time being it modern so yeah. it is I guess significant I didn't even think of that that they didn't modernize it they didn't have it turned into like you know nowadays people you know, they could have that could have been you know he could have been like you know like a King Kong story, yeah, yeah, you know, where they're bringing him to the real world, and he flips out, and he goes to the top of the building, and they got to talk him down, you know. Yeah. But they, they, you're right. They, they kept him like, let's keep him period, let's keep him Victorian era, to a certain extent, you know, when the character was supposed to be based upon, yeah, you know, and um, uh, you know, and then also you have young, uh, young uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh yeah. That's eighty five, eighty six. That's so they're, a classic. They're, and then you know, and then at the same time during the eighties, you had the, I forget the gentleman who played, um. Sherlock Holmes on uh, in England that showed up on our A and E or PBS here. Yeah. Those were going Jeremy something. So like these properties were being you know yeah. re- not recycled, but a new life was breathed into him. So it's interesting that this I'm came out. I'm a big out. fan of young Sherlock Holmes too. I know you are. Well, That's well, going to be another we'll one. We'll have to get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. They they thought about uh, Viggo Morganson being cast in this as Christopher Lambert, but that didn't. They ended up huh, casting. That would have been really early for him. Yeah. Well, what's what year is Leatherface? Is that eighty six or eighty seven? I would have said that was even later than that. I would have said that was like eighty, maybe eighty eight, eighty nine. I would have thought. It? Well, I don't know. I, think, I feel like I mean, he kind of very well could have been around. I mean, yeah. No. Um. Let's see. For uh, her, they had a whole bunch of people they they wanted to to. to to, they looked at to play what her. What if game? Yeah, the what if game. They they originally for the uh, Lord Esker. The, the, like what is he? The the asshole. Uh, yeah. They they had Hugh Hugh Grant and he he was. Uh, I think they may have even cast him. But then the the director wanted to go more middle aged, not younger man. And that's when they cast James Fox in the role. Um, uh, let's see. The, well, there are a whole bunch of you know people that I, I can't find the, the the note I had about who the other people were that they had. Uh, originally for her, but they had uh, 
they thought of uh, Richard Gere, uh, Rupert Everett, uh, Lambert Wilson were considered for Tarzan. Um, so they end up doing the movie that, that has a $46 million budget, which you alluded to. $7 million of that $46 million goes to the Rick Baker yeah. stuff. And Rick Baker, his, his ape suits had, like, um, arm extensions in it, too, mm-hmm. so they can take out different arms, so they'd have one scene where if the arms are walking, or the apes yeah. are walking on their hands, and then they had a great... Well, this was, like, really Rick Baker's first big, not, you know, like, big in terms of enormity of the project. So many suits and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of a big, it was kind yeah. of a monumental film. And it's him. also, you see the evolution of him doing the the ape effects, because I certainly think... Uh, personally that when he gets to gorillas in the mist then that is you know those yeah. silverbacks you can't even tell some of them are yeah or people are inside or they're animatronic you know because again this is all pre-cgi so even though he did invent like a a, um, a, a sub race of primates here they yeah. they look great you they know do look great and they don't look like like you said like you know as good as you know 2001 is the, the, those those apes or those those you know monkeys at the beginning kind of look like people in yeah. s- costumes. You know what I mean? So it was good that they were at the beginning saying, "Hey, we that was the thing that was hanging up the script." Yeah. You know, and then you don't want to sacrifice that, take that out. And of that he aspect. was nominated for Academy Award for the for the suits, but I believe he lost to Amadeus, so he lost <laughs> to Dick Smith. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I guess you know for the old makeup for um, and that that was Dick Smith's kind of game. Dick Smith yeah. pioneered like the old man. Yeah, makeup. they kind of were both like working in their wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, and it's like almost like if Tom Savini was like nominated for like head explosion. <laughs> You know I mean? <laughs> and for a greatest head explosion, Tom Savini to... for Maniac. Or I don't know if there were, where, where there's another head explosion. Uh, yeah, this ended up getting nominated for, like we said, for best supporting role because Richard um, posthumously. For yeah, Richard, uh, while uh, Richardson, while Ralph Richardson Ralph. died like four months after the movie, or maybe before it was about to come out. So they dedicated the movie to him, and then he was posthumously uh, nominated for best supporting actor. Another, I think, another sleepover movie, isn't he? In Dragon Slayer? I think he's like the older wizard. He might Dragon be. Slayer. He might be in Dragon Slayer. I'm not mistaken. I get a, at the in that era you had like a lot of these, and I'm not in any way saying that Mr. Richardson did this for this part, but you had a lot of older people doing money, doing roles for money. So yeah. I see like a lot of like Sir John Gilligood at that time, um, Alec Guinness, certainly Lawrence Olivier was you know they're yeah, just taking yeah. paycheck, paycheck. You know, what I mean, in, sometimes the movies are really good, but other times they weren't. They were just like he was taking a paycheck. Yeah. So I always get my elder English actors of that time, you know, mixed up if who who's who in which yeah. movie. So I don't remember exactly I think who was it's in them. I'm not positive. Um and then so the movie comes out like you said kind of, you know, s- lukewarm to warm mixed reviews. It was positive. Uh it played in East Germany and then they, there's a there's a uh a line in it about when when he's talking to Ralph Richardson about the walls and he says the walls come up on the come up uh, around the estate to keep them out and that caused a huge roar in the audience to the east german audiences so much so that afterward they omitted the line from other screenings because huh. at the time of course the it was the berlin wall. wall at the time you know and um so yeah you know it comes out and this is also a movie that was shot on super 35 yeah you know which is uh which was called then super technoscope yeah, but Super Thirty Five is that must be that's a it's got to be extra wide. I mean, it's got to be a two three five, but in a different process. Yeah, I, I would wonder, imagine. I mean, because like I can only imagine it's the same as Super Sixteen, which is what Super Sixteen was. Is you know usually a piece of film has sprocket holes on both sides. Yeah, Super Sixteen was 
sprockets holes on only one side so that you could put the optical soundtrack on the other side. Yeah. But if you didn't, it was a way to get, but not, if you didn't put the optical audio track over that other side of sprocket holes, you could expose that film. And that's how you would get a, a widescreen ratio with a 16 millimeter uh, frame. So, so I can only imagine that maybe that's the same thing going on here with 35, which is you get a wider frame aspect with, yeah. ratio by exposing more of the film. So in the old days, what Blake is saying that it's sometimes, you know, if you're in doing a cheap movie. way. <laughs> and, no, no, it's just in the weeds there for like yeah. people who aren't, uh, you know, imagine a piece of film. Yeah. Well, you know, um, 35 millimeter would be a lot of money, so 16 millimeter is smaller, of course, but you can't play 16 millimeter in, in, in uh, theaters at the time because they're made for 35. So if a, people like you take Tobe Hooper, who did, um, uh, didn't he do Texas Chainsaw Massacre like he this? He might have done 16. He shoots it super 16, so if you, on uh, yeah, the I'm, right side where the... For example, I mean, we don't know for sure. I don't know for I sure. Thought, I thought he shot He it. may have, but I, I thought he know. did it this way. But people, what people used to do is, if you, if you had a small budget, is you can take super 16 uh, on the right side where there's no sprocket holes where you're supposed to, where people would use, the, have an optical track, uh, which a lot of times th- that would be a way to marry... Because the the old days, you know, film is film, and then you have to have something else to, and sync it for to have audio. You'd, yeah. So the next step in the evolution was you'd have it married on the picture itself to make a print with an optical track so that it would play through the yeah. project. Yeah. And this is that the old this in the old days, like you know, news in the sixties and seventies, they'd shoot these kind of things because you can get film and sound at the same time, put it right on you know your camera you're using with a microphone. So. If you don't use that for audio, you expose that side, you can then blow it up and it'd be the size of 35. Yeah. You just basically you have a, a wider screen ratio and then they would blow it up to a 35 millimeter. It print. would somehow work. If you, you can blow Super 16 up to, to, to fit in the 35 I mean, millimeter. I you lose print. a little bit of the quality, but it was a yeah. way, a cheaper way of shooting. You sacrifice quality for, for cost. And then that means your, your movie, you could shoot the movie kind of cheaper on a Super 16 and then you can <laughs> have it play in 35 millimeter. Uh, projector theaters which is what you know, the standard at the yeah, time yeah. so we're just assuming that by calling it super 35 you're basically getting a wide even wider aspect ratio so i wonder if that would then blow it up to 70 you know what yeah, it be? i mean you know what the, what that means that they can able to do but i can only imagine much like when you're shooting 70 millimeter that it would be clunkier you know yeah. and, and what is was it a sleepover movie we did where they were talking about this is the first movie shot there's only a couple times when they sh- they've they've made, was it I forget maybe it was something recently I re- uh, read maybe it was Reverend or something re- something recent where they they dug out the old cameras and they haven't shot a movie. Well, I know. Uh, what am what, I thinking of? The Quentin Tarantino movie shot. That's what it is. So maybe the story was that that Quentin Tarantino actually dug out the cameras to shoot it properly on 70 millimeter. He did something and they hadn't done it since like the early 70s. Yeah. So when he went in to rent the equipment. He realized, well, why don't I just rent all the equipment? You know, we, we can update it, you know, but they maybe use the lens. I forget what he did. So I wonder here if this is like something that people don't normally shoot on, Super 35, if they're, then they're able to blow it up to 70. I don't know. But I, my point is, convoluted as it is, is, I wonder if it made everything bulkier. You know, yeah. maybe the equipment a little harder when they were shooting and stuff, like, even though they were, I guess, they weren't on location. They weren't, yeah, you I know, don't know. Piggybacking right, of I don't mountain. know the purpose of shooting Super 35 yeah. if we have what Super 35 is. I guess correct. we should have uh, looked into that a little more. <laughs> so it's been 20 minutes trying to explain <laughs> yeah. what the hell it's called. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Rick Baker had a 50-person crew, 40 wig makers, you know, doing all this stuff. And it took about eight weeks per suit to make. Uh, So you think if it takes eight weeks to do one suit, you know, how long? That's why you're going to do two two years to make 50 suits or whatever. How many suits are in the movie? Um, Because then you have stunt suits plus the, you know, the... A suits or whatever. Yeah, they they got uh, actors who were like gymnasts and stuff, and dancers, uh, and, dancers and dancers to be the the apes themselves. They had a great um, circus performers, dancers, and gymnasts to to, and they trained eight hours a day for several months to play the apes. And uh, wherever they filmed the movie, uh, the studio next door. They had a workout gym with ramps and mock trees and limbs and nets, so if they fall, so they can get it right. Because there's certain sequences where even Lambert himself is like, they're jumping on stuff. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I'm sure since all that stuff's on a set, yeah. you, you can probably, you know, you can't see because it's disguised from the camera, but I'm sure there's handholds and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's great to see, like, you know, it, it looks very effortlessly. How they also, it. Baker made them... Um, like cheaper because I almost because I was even looking into buy getting trying to get one of these for the from the auction that I was talking about six hours ago at the beginning of this podcast, uh, like masks that re- they still look great but they weren't camera masks they were used by the actors to like take home and like work on the ape stuff in the mirror oh so, so they, they were like they like their character so like there was no. Uh, you know, expressions. They couldn't do any kind of expression, but it was a way of like getting them used to the ape fit head and get them to like work in the mirror. What did, of, like, we, what did we do? That was a cast where they had to have the wait for the, well, that was another podcast we did where they, they had to talk about the wait time for the actors to go home and be able to learn the, the, the characterizations of something, whatever we did that was like animal related or alien related. I forget what that was. Anyway, but that reminded me of something that we did. We I talked about that. Digress. Anyway. Yeah. So, so um, uh, yeah. And then that's basically it. Then the movie you know, comes out all right. They, they had an alternate uh, ending that they that they never that they I guess they shot, but then they they didn't like where Jane runs off into the jungle with Tarzan. They cut it during the edit editing phase, and they don't know if if a print still exists of that. So that's like lost footage. And maybe um, that's why the ending is so choppy. Maybe that's why. Maybe that was the question. maybe that was the original ending. And yeah, they didn't like it, so then they tried to. Jane runs off into the jungle, and then it was cut during the editing, and no one knows if it still exists. That that very well could be it. And then, uh, and they also cut it down from 180 minutes. Yeah. So I mean, that could. Yeah, be... Yeah, but it seems like they would. That would yeah, that would where be... they take it from. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, as opposed to everything else. And then they had a sequel p- kind of plan, but then since it was kind of poor box office, they didn't they didn't end up doing a sequel for the movie. You know, and and then I, if they'd been true and gone back to you know the the um, the source material Burroughs, I wouldn't. They had they had a whole uh, well of, of yeah. stories and stuff like that. So um, this must be high big on your buckets of pizzas. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd say for as a sleepover movie, I don't think this is uh, very. As a sleepover movie, I wouldn't give it that many buckets of pizza. I just don't think it's like a, I don't think like a junior high kid would uh, you know enjoy this as a sleepover movie yeah. with their friends. But, but I wonder if it, at the but, time it but was as something. A, you as would. a movie, I'd give it four or five. Yeah. You know, there, it's problematic, so I would give it four as much as I love it out of five. But uh, but as a sleepover movie, I don't know. It, it you know, it's more of a you know, for the lack of a better term, it's more of like a real film yeah you know not not and i don't say that as like disparaging this the you know the kind of you know more fun sleepover fair that we do it's just a different kind of movie altogether um 
See, I wonder if it was something that when we were growing up that we would go seek out because of the era. No, I think it's the kind of movie that you know, like, our dads would have rented and we would have watched with them. Yeah. But I don't know if like you would have. Because I think certainly like, hey, now I fucking grace to like I, like I if I, we did I think it would be like a you know we would have done it under the premise of that it would have been like this action yeah movie. that's what I'm and saying yeah like it's, half, you don't know and then like it is like a bait and switch it, like falling like, asleep what? what the hell's going on here but I wonder if it like certainly now since Tarzan hasn't been into the modern society that we know it aside from maybe a cartoon yeah. or Disney I mean be someone you know, who had never really seen it in terms of even aside from uh, you know the sleepover star rating I mean like. What did you think? I mean, did you enjoy it? I thought the pacing was slow at times, and then like I thought it was choppy at certain points. But then certainly on like a like an analytical level, it's like there's really just like you know, it was, oh, some of the stuff was horrible. How it made, made you feel, you know, just just like the the you know the really just uh, juxtaposing the two different you know society civilization verse like you know this. So it, I enjoyed that. You know, I mean, it had a lot. It, it's it's like the thinking man's Tarzan, you know. It's it, it, if it's really what Edgar Rice had originally done, then like that's why he ended up having twenty books, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really just it's not an action movie, you know, and it, and that's maybe the good thing about it, you know. I don't know if people went there thinking like you're gonna, you know, maybe that's why I didn't do well. You think you're going to see like a freaking Tarzan movie? You see him beating up monkeys and <laughs> crocodiles and you know yeah. very much Janna of the Jungle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, but. It's interesting that, it, you know, it gives you this story of this, you know, like you were saying, this tragedy and then, like, you know, this this poor guy can't win, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a heavy movie. Yeah. Like I said, it's very much a And it doesn't pull any punches. I mean, there's scenes like, I, I mean, I don't know, what's the, what, what's the darn thing rated? I mean, it, um, I don't think it was rated R, but it's like, you know, the scene at the beginning when the freaking baby apes killed, like, we, we see all this when the, when the, when the, that asshole hunter shooting everything you're seeing all that and it's just like the brutality of it it's like it's horrible it's very much like that dino what's the baby dinosaur movie from the mid 80s oh babe yeah baby you know it's it's that that i saw that when i was little and that maybe i saw that and that was terrifying because there's like a scene where again we have asshole hunters killing (laughs) what are they killing like the mother dinosaur's mom or something at the beginning and that's like you know so that's horrifying. So it's like maybe that's the reason why I didn't want to watch this. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I can't know, take any more baby killing. You know, I, I don't know. The pacing doesn't bother me so much, but the 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 things, the parts that are choppy are definitely kind of stick out. Yeah, yeah. As being like something like just that just kind of missed it. A yeah, but with those parts. Yeah, but uh, sleepover stars then. Me, um, I'd say probably maybe three three. You know. Yeah. Three three is a movie. And then three is a sleepover movie because, I don't know, it, it kind of goes into the fear of what I like growing up. But I think it certainly, I would have, if I had rented it, it would have been like a bait and switch. I got home, like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> what are you doing? What, Karen? What, what the hell? We didn't have money, Karen. <laughs> but it's like, you know, what the, you know, this isn't action at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. I don't even know if we were to give recommendations. Um, I have a, a recommendation, comic book recommendation that was uh, brought to my attention, which I like. Uh, Warren Ellis, who uh, is a big legendary comic book writer, he did a 28 to 30 issue series, which is ended called Planetary. And it, and it uh, comes very, very highly recommended. And it, what it's about is this planetary society at the turn of the century when they're, they're secret, secret archaeological teams that go and like, you know, 
find things, very much Indiana Jones and stuff. But what it is is like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen took people we knew and made a team out of them. Yeah. This thing is... Um, they're called different names, but all the archetypes we know yeah, from that yeah. era, like Quartermains and stuff, sure. are clearly represented. And what it is is these people coming together and doing this nice, you know, uh, adventure. So in book form, I would say go check out this uh, Planetary, this Warren Ellis series, and we love Warren Ellis, the yeah, writer. Yeah. Uh, Movie-wise, I don't know. Uh, uh, for At the time... I don't want to go say like say like King Kong lives or something, but I'm wondering what at the time what like I very much like the mission, that yeah. movie that with Robert De Niro in it, Jeremy Irons. You know, I mean it's that's a, that's a slow movie, but that's fun. Yeah. It's more of the same. You kind could of also thing. go the other route and go with like the Flash Gordon. Yeah, you know, if you, you want to go like you know, it's a totally different kind of movie, but still playing off of like that serial. Yeah, you uh, know, a- adaptation. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a much campier than this movie is but uh, yeah but it's it's the other end of of the pulps it was it's the fantasy i mean certainly era a big uh era era (laughs) certainly at the time around that era as much as the pulps of like uh the adventure pulps of like westerns or us talking about the far east uh, people were curious about space so there's all tons of stuff very much like john carter of mars you know we're like john carter of mars is weird where i think he's a He's a Civil War veteran, and he's running away, and he like hides in a cave, and he wakes up, and he's yeah, on. He's just like magically teleported. You know, so people are like, you know, was it just him like getting high on peyote fumes, or is he like, you know, really on these, you know, these weird adventures? You know, yeah. and it's just like, it goes back to our my original point. Um, it's just it's a shame that that 2012 movie bombed. You know, it's like you know they're doing faithful adaptations to a certain extent of these you know properties that people should know what they are because of what they you know the doors they open for us and you know and, and they're not so it's like you know hopefully this new tarzan movie coming out this weekend is going to be a good and to you know make some money yeah. you know, i think thematically nice. you know and it could be a right time because that other movie just came out and i thought people were going to see it um jungle book oh yeah you know, people were digging on that you know and so it's like you know that's disney too and sure. and it's another thing where i just heard they they greenlit uh they're remaking freaking mary poppins yeah you know so like now you're going to see any Disney property they ever had, be it live action or animated, is going to get a, a yeah. live action reboot now. You I know? think thematically, if you're in for, for a long night and you want to go completely serious, I think thematically a good movie to watch alongside with this would be something like Dances with Wolves. That's true. Which, uh, you know, I think touches, you know, some of the same chords yeah. and uh or apocalypse now <laughs> like i brought up earlier maybe that'd be my recommendation go apocalypse now because it's it's a movie set in the vietnam era but no you know what that's based that's actually interesting Heart of Darkness, that's yeah. based on joseph conrad's heart of darkness which is goes back into that was the era that this tarzan takes place in yeah where it's about the ivory trade in africa down mm-hmm. the down the uh the the river there which we see a little bit of that going on yeah yeah exactly so like it's very much in that era of the you know the 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 Western civilization going plowing through there, but uh, Apocalypse Now is then translated. That story's put into Vietnam War, but it's not about Vietnam specifically, yeah. as it's just about just war in general. Drop. Yeah, so that's a very good, you know, and it keeps a lot of the themes of that alienation going to the ends of the earth and then going into being decivilized. So yeah, maybe Apocalypse Now. Okay. Oh, that's heavy though. You know, you're you're that's watching. A, that's a, that's you a, know, you can't have your eight year old go watch this movie <laughs> and then go watch Apocalypse Now. You know, so it's a tough. Night. There's that word heavy again. <laughs> So um, what is it? About the, <laughs> the gravitational problems of the future. Ooh. Um, 
So, thank you very much for listening tonight. This was a, a fun cast. This is very much a summer movie. You know, this is a very summer action-y. What year was, when, when was this released? I wonder if this was a, uh, if this came out. Summer 84? March. March 30th, 84. Yeah, We're getting like there. Spring-ish. Yeah. Late winter, early spring. Okay. So, um, when this was released. So, uh, check it out if you, maybe this will be fun for people, you know. I certainly had, you know, seen this movie in years. And that's why I was like, shit. You know, I've never seen it. So, I never thought about this in... 20 years. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've seen this movie a million times. Like I said, it's a... It's, it's a tearjerker for a, you. It's a good one for me. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I just... This movie's always kind of just struck a chord, so... And, um... What do you call it? I'll have to... Next cast, I'll tell you about the, uh... The other thing I was talking about, the, the Tommy West Hall syndrome. Because it's related to the to the Walt New, uh, Newton family thing. And then I was like, oh, you know what? And I, it, funny enough, I was thinking, when the hell could I bring it up in a cast? Because... I wanted to tell you about it, much like you you um, hit me to my my little pony, the brony thing, <laughs> live on a cast. <laughs> I was going to hit you to this, but th- no, I mean it sounds it's definitely it's kind of wacky. I never heard of that. And that Walt the the, the, the Walt New, uh, Newton family thing is is very interesting. And this is uh, and I brought it up directly because it was about reference with yeah, yeah. Uh, what's totally. his face Phil, uh, Philip Jose Farmer. I just had spitting it out was a problem, uh, but Tommy Westfall is is a whole different thing. The, completely related to to that but i'll talk yeah, to you about yeah. that next time All right. so uh check out our facebook page check out our twitter page check out our myspace page <laughs> <laughs> check out our i'm kidding we don't have a myspace page check out our website <laughs> check out uh blake has scored to death out coming out scored it's a book death. coming yeah. out it be, looks like we're doing a signing in california at the end of august nice so stay tuned yes Go we is my... uh, we is in you the collective we. Yeah, collective we, sorry. The editorial well, maybe we. Maybe I'll drag Dion out there. Too. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a, maybe we'll do a podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, check out his Score to Death Facebook page. Yes, Facebook and, and Twitter, Twitter Score to Death. Yep. Um, updates and whatnot. About it coming out because then you can pre-order it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, check all of our stuff out. Check out our other podcasts. Check out our website, please. Uh, we have a lot of extras that come up in the podcast, which are fun. And welcome all our new Listen. Yeah, if you're out there listening, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've been here before, thanks for sticking hey, around. Hey, thanks for having you come back in. Come on back in. You can put your shoes on. Don't worry. You don't need to come off. So we'll see you in two weeks with some fun movies. We've got some more other uh, surprises yeah, lurking in the shadows. Into summer. Yeah, going to have some s- summer fun. Summer summer Saturdays. Some summer solstice. Yeah, summer solstice Saturdays, Saturday night movie sleepovers. So it'll be very nice. So, um... Take care. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.